Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture and are currently making their way through the regulatory approval process. However, do we really want to intentionally disperse these modified viruses outside the lab? Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, wrong spot, October 8th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Very important show, of course, as always. Every day seems to be an incredibly important series of events. I think that's because we're in the midst of something so important, so long sought, long planned continually executed over the decades, different administrations, different presidential. I mean, you know, for, this is the culmination of a lot of long sought work amongst many different governments. And we are watching this play out in front of us right now. So every single day, I think it's like what trying to figure out what they're trying to use to keep us from seeing the larger picture. You know, that's, that's what we're here for. That's what a lot of us in this field are doing these days is just trying to use your you know, intellect and insight, as well as your history, your understanding, you know, the history around these events and the people involved and trying to kind of suss out what's really going on. You know, I, that's why I think a lot of this is guesswork, but that's why it's so important to be clear about when you are giving your opinion. A lot of the people in the field, unfortunately today are very hyperbolic and want to make claims that they, you know, and we, we see this happening a lot. So never been more important to be objective. And, and today's topics are some very hard ones for people to wrap their minds around something for instance, you saw the clip there, which is put out that that's a group connected to the the uh, UN and the, uh, the the different the community the groups involved Johns Hopkins and in, in making these discussions. We've shown you the Johns Hopkins document where they themselves, in the midst of COVID nineteen, argue that human self spreading vaccines are the future. There's a lot of this stuff out there. The point though is that this is something that most people are. F- even though they can see that video and see that it's connected to the very same people walk away thinking it's somehow fake news, conspiracy theory, or distant future, even though they're literally working on these things now may have already used it. And this is a point we'll go through. And we've made many times just asking for objectivity, considering whether they might've rationalized that this is in the best interest of everybody, even if it's not and done it because we wouldn't understand, even if we might, you know, that that's how this has worked. Same with the bioethics conversation and whether they should use compulsory bioethics and do it secretly because we may not understand there's been papers written about this. So at the very least, you can realize that they're capable of rationalizing why they should do something just like that without you knowing about it. And then I want people to just simply ask whether that's possible and not just about self-spreading vaccines, but about the idea of whether, first of all, you know, ignoring all the peer-reviewed science that's clearly found this is happening and can happen, whether these mRNA injections can reverse transcribe into your DNA, whether what that means for your DNA and what that means for you 
as a human being. And then ask yourself whether they're able to patent things like that and whether that means that you're able or are currently patented. Now, I'm not saying that's absolute, that it ever that it will happen for sure or that it has happened. I want people as always to be objective and say, is that possible? And that's it. Then ask, I guess it's not it then, <laughs> and then ask whether or not they're capable of this. Have they lied to us before? Have they carried things like out things like this out in the past? The answer is yes and yes, unequivocally. Well, Ryan, there's different people today and, you know, democracy and we've... Okay, fine. There's all these arguments that people want to spit out. But the simple point is it's possible. And they have the, they have the intelligence. They have the technology. They have the research. They have the think tanks. They have the conversations. Now all that really is left to discuss is whether or not it's happening. And I, it amazes me that we can see all of that to this point, And yet that conversation is where we'll go, fake news, not even going to consider it. I believe it's something that they've actually been driving toward. And this, this is an overlap with the transhumanist, even the, the, world, the, uh, the technocratic future. Specifically transhumanism and the argument on, and how that overlaps with this. But we'll go through this as always on this show. Hopefully for those that are for the first time ever tuning in, hearing this, thinking this sounds crazy, that you will stay tuned. And as always, see that this show is rooted in source material and facts and things we can prove. And I will give my opinion happily, but I'll always... I somehow managed to forget, which I rarely do, as people love to irritatingly point out, that I will tell you it's my opinion and I'll be irritatingly objective because that's what I do. It's I think it's a necessity of the way the world is today. But that, as well as the starting off today, we're going to get into foreign policy and talk about the obvious attack on the Crimea Bridge and how that's ridiculously being covered by the corporate media, despite Ukraine already claiming it and saying we're doing more of this. And the media is going, it looks like something exploded and the bridge collapsed. What a story. And we'll go into the details we can find about how it looks like that happened and whether it was a drone or a truck or all these different conversations. And what's importantly in the beginning, something important to understand is that if we were able to suss this out and not tell you this is what happened for sure, but show you all the data points, you know, here's here's what looks like a, a drone underneath the bridge. Here's a truck. Here's the conversation. And yet right now, the media corporate wise has the same narrative. Until it starts to shift and then you got the same shift and ask yourself how it's possible that all of us can see all these data points and they somehow just don't know as the leading journalists of the world because they're not and they're controlled at some level. And we have to always understand that. But we're going to go through the Crimea bridge discussion. We're going to go over the, the hype around the nuclear conversation for a, the nuclear conversation for a small part of this and show you how ridiculous it still has gotten. Now they're like quietly walking some of these things back, acting like Zelensky didn't just ask for preemptive strikes on on Russia, which I'll prove to you that he very much did. And the media happily parrots that he just got misquoted and mistranslated, even though I can show you the clip. It's embarrassing. We'll also talk about the COVID-19 increasing problems there the injections, the mRNA, how obvious this is, as always. I mean, that's even coming the latter half of the show because it's just, it's over. I mean, it's over and obviously it's like people keep pointing out, it's, pro it's one of the most impossible to watch slow motion train wrecks in history. We are watching this happen as people continue, very few of them, by the way, to get tricked into taking this dangerous experiment. But we'll go through all this today, so please stay tuned to the end. It's probably not going to be as long as some of the most recent ones. But I can't promise anything. But let's start off today with a, just a quick point that I, I I didn't see this. I'm actually not even sure what day this happened. I think it was very, last couple of days, but I'm kind of shocked that I haven't seen this. Oops. I haven't seen this uh, prominently pop. Maybe I just missed it. But apparently Dr. Peter McCullough was censored again on Twitter. Is that the real Ryan Cole? I'm not sure. 
But it's just crazy to think about. Like, I know that, that to them that they're going to claim, yeah, because he's a conspiracy theorist and his whole life has been debunked, apparently, by some interns on Twitter. <laughs> but what's crazy to me is that this person, regardless of what you think, what you think is conspiracy theory, is a highly credentialed, if not one of the most highly credentialed doctors in cardiology. I mean, it, in the field, in the world. Highly credentialed, highly respected. And even let's just say he's wildly wrong about this, which, of course, anything is possible. I absolutely don't think that. I think he's been proven with data, peer-reviewed science, and everything else to be right, because the same stuff we're pointing at. But just say it's possible he could be wrong. It still, it still does not justify what's happening here. I think the very clear, the very action of this happening proves to me that this is dishonest. Not because you're censored, therefore you're right, which is not the right way to think about this, but simply the idea that they're censoring a, 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 an expert an expert, an actual expert, a highly credentialed scientist, doctor on this topic because he has an opinion rooted in facts and peer-reviewed science that they don't like, right? So even if my point is, even if this was him being wrong, the censorship tactic still wouldn't happen. You can see this happening in corporate media conversations all the time, where there's doctors that, even with high-level conversations that disagree. I mean, this is the equivalent of them censoring anybody that comes out with a diff with the opinion that, abortion should be allowed or shouldn't be allowed i mean this is the same thing you must realize that like right now you're taking a very hot political topic and just removing one side of the argument even if it's wrong that's crazy and unprecedented and i don't need to explain this to you i'm just pointing bringing it back to the idea that dr peter mccullough of all people was just censored again now jd rucker points out the nation's most decorated cardiologist uh, an internist was banned on Twitter by some interns majoring in gender studies who think they grasp medicine better than him. Now he's joking. I don't think anybody can know for sure who it is that carried this out or whether it was an algorithm, because that's probably more likely than anything. But the point is the same, whether it's algorithms made by people that work at Twitter or people working at Twitter, these people, it's an, they are not, I know that for a fact, as credentialed as Dr. Peter McCullough. They do not have as many published studies and they are not even remotely close to being experts. They don't hire doctors at Twitter, right? Either And even if they do, they're still not the, has, the level that Dr. Peter McCullough is, even if you think he's wrong. So this is the most clear, transparent picture of how they're aggressively, desperately, in my opinion, trying to keep the narrative from falling apart. It's too late, though, guys. You lost. That's my reality here. They've lost. But I hate to... I, sadly, the second part of this drives me crazy. At this point, I don't even think Elon Musk taking company private can fix the brain rot at Twitter. Now, I don't even know where the, the argument that he's taking it private is even, is that on the table? I didn't, I, even if it is, I don't think that's settled. But the idea that people, you know, on the part, inside the two-party paradigm, which J.D. Rucker is, I still, he does, I, he's, I actually, he just had an interview with Dr. Peter McCullough that I really enjoyed. But the point is that they, I don't know why we think this is even something, the, if you think that anybody, let alone Elon Musk, is going to save us all, then we're lost. We've already lost this game. That's the savior complex, and it's not going to go anywhere. Voting for one person or hoping one person jumps in with the power to save the day, that's what they want. However this ends up, it's you hoping elitists will save your or change your life. The two-party paradigm in its own way is driving you into the same problem. We just don't want to see it because it's the right elitists driving us into the wrong direction or whatever. Sad, but I hope we can see through that. But I still agree that this is crazy, that Twitter is taking the argument that they have the right to remove doctors' opinions. It's absolutely outrageous. Now, I don't know if this is actually what got him removed, but the argument circulating as far as I can see is this is one of the things people think was what got him removed, regardless of whether it was the thing that got him removed. This statement is actually pretty incredible. 
because it's I I mean I I I, I agree with what he basically is end up saying here is is that the U.S. government was responsible for this. Now I'll let you listen to it for yourself. The point is that even pointing at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, he's still now coming to the point that this is U.S. government more than anything. And that's what I've been saying from the beginning. I definitely think if we're talking about a lab conversation, which I'm still not even convinced that's what happened, that the Wuhan, the Chinese government, the U.S. government were involved together. There's no way around that. And this childish two-party paradigm argument that started with Trump's administration grabbing the microphone and yelling Wuhan virus and never looking back. Despite the fact that we've already proven from like seven different U.S. allies that they can prove that this started, if that's even, again, that's the caveat, that could be part of the illusion itself, started before they saw it in China. Or they could be seeing the flu or something else or cut the coronavirus. That's not to get into the argument of what, that whether they're there or not, but the simple point from within their narrative, their own allies are saying they saw this before it was seen in China. And yet they didn't miss a beat. There's still all the big Republican talking point shows are all making the argument that it came from China. We know that. And we don't know that. So that's dishonest, no matter how you spin it. That's adhering to the narrative of the side as opposed to the facts and how they fleshed out. Now, they'll love to hate on the left when they do that. And the left left loves to hate on the right when they do that. But they never love to see it themselves. This is why the two party paradigm will never let us see the light if we keep letting it drive us forward. I still don't think it's most people, but I'm, I, 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 I know that most people see through this, but I still I can't tell how many people I think are truly lost in the two party paradigm. I'm going to be wishful thinking about it and hope it's not the majority. But listen to what he says here, because this challenges all of that. Again, kind of it, it give, showing the, it, the potential, the possibility that Mercola is one of the only few real honest people out there fighting through this. But you can come to your own opinions on it. Uh, let's see. Here's the clip. Republicans come into power in the House, they'll start to have real strong subpoena power, investigation power. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson's posted over 40 senatorial letters, which are basically placeholders for investigations. And I think the FDA commissioner is in deep trouble. Uh, NIH uh, division directors in deep trouble. CDC director, uh, you know, they, 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 they're going to have nowhere to hide. You know, the publications make it clear it was a government operation that created SARS-CoV-2 and the spike protein. It's the U.S. government that did it. And, and they were working on the threat and working on the response, which was uh, various forms of, uh, of, of, of antigens to be injected or monoclonal antibodies. But it's clear it's a U.S. government operation. The work was done in China, uh, and there was Chinese collaboration. You, you know, Moderna... Now, before I go forward, the interesting part about this is, so what he's arguing... I would argue this is a little bit naive in the context of whether the Republicans, when in power, would would do this. I'd love that to be the case. But you see, then that problem there, though, is that that equally calls out Republicans. That's why I don't think that will happen. And maybe he doesn't see through that part of it. Maybe he does, doesn't care. I don't know. I'm just getting my opinion. But at the end of the day, the Republicans coming into power, let's first assume that that happens. I do kind of see that going that way because people... Those that still are lost, those that still choose to vote, thinking that's adult Santa Claus going to happen for them, believe the Republicans are the ones fighting for their freedom and stuff. And I'm not sure why, other than statements they make. But yeah, I don't want to get into that just yet. I have an interview coming up on Monday to get with Pasta in regard to just election stuff. It'll be interesting because we have very different opinions, but I, I respect them greatly. So we'll see how that we'll see how his perspectives and how that goes. But the point is that if the Republicans then get into power. The investigation, or at least what the prominent Republicans have been arguing, is that this was China. 
Biden and China, right? Even though Trump was in power when this happened, it was all Wuhan and China and they did it all. Wuhan flu and all that. So why would they then come around to the investigation and then and then investigate and find out that it was the U.S. government involved? That they're rather primarily in, responsible, which would then implicate Republicans equally, including Trump, by the way. I just don't think that'll happen. But I hope it does. And I will happily stand up and be like, I was wrong. It's not completely overtaken. Trust me, I don't want that to be the case. I know it's pessimistic. I'm just jaded. I don't know why everybody isn't. I think they are. We've been tricked over and over and over and over. Even I have. Even somebody who continually sees it. Even if like, for instance, like with Tulsi Gabbard for a very brief moment, that was like, maybe, maybe. No, I was wrong. I was wrong. You know, and even if even if she isn't the worst of the worst, she's still pot back into the problem. And I can't trust that. But to continue his point, he's saying it's clearly a U.S. government operation. That's a big statement. And I, I would get why that would get him censored, even though it's a fair statement to make. Like, think how dumb it is that you're not allowed to mention the lab discussion in the beginning and everybody gets censored, even including those of us saying just that it could have. Then suddenly they go, OK, you now you can talk about China lab only, though. And if you point out U.S. biolab stuff, you get censored. Think about how stupid that is. Like, what a childishly controlled narrative where you only allow people to make certain talking points at certain times. And there's no evolution of evidence. They just go, OK, go <laughs> now. Lab talk. OK, go. Mask half don't work. Go. <laughs> it's very stupid. I'm, you know, I'm referencing Gottlieb and when coming out and just kind of going cloth masks don't work now. <laughs> no new evidence. Just go starting off now. Go N95 direction. Like it's very silly that people don't see through that. Yeah. CEO Stefan Bangzel, he was the CEO of Biomer U and he built the Wuhan biosecurity lab right. with the Chinese when he was leading the French company. He built that lab. Then he leaves in 2015 and he joins Moderna and then mm -hmm. Moderna co-writes the patent with the National Institutes of Health. You probably heard recently Moderna's suing Pfizer over the patent. Right. People I was going to ask you about that. What, what yeah, people ask my opinion. That? Yeah, Christy, people ask my opinion. I said, yes, you know, this will all come to light. The, the, it takes a long time to write a patent, and pass a patent prosecution takes a long time. Moderna and the U.S. government wrote the patent on the product a long time ago. That's, and remember, not, I don't know if it's specifically the patent or not, but the work in regard to this whole direction involves Fauci and his individual people in the lab. And that's when we very early found out that they had actual literal profit motives, whether or not this injection went forward. I mean, but think about how this is even playing out, what he's discussing. This is old stuff. We talked about this right in the beginning. But the idea that the, you, you couldn't write a better no, a better crime novel like that. I mean, that, think of how crazy this overlap is, you know, and then even including the 20 previous years of failed efforts. And again, how does just simultaneously succeed instantly? And now you see that they're taking patents they shouldn't be using. We have genetic code coming from China that hasn't been isolated. They then just pump out into injections and yet pretend like isolation is primary. Like this is very transparent. Without a controlled, dishonest, corrupt, illegal institutions, government. Without that driving all of this, this wouldn't be happening. And of course, a corporate media that blindly goes along with it. It's just childish. And again, that's why I think this is so obviously falling apart. And we knew this because when the crisis was announced in the United States, three days later, Moderna announces they have a product. How can they have a product in three days? You can't invent something in three days. This was planned. This was all planned. In Peter Bregan's book, who you mentioned, COVID, the, the, the uh, Global Predators book, uh, Peter Bregan says that there was, uh, and he, he, timeline, he puts this in his timeline, 
36 pandemic preparedness events since 2012, 36, hmm. 25 of which generated documents. And then, uh, and these are. I, I love, I love when somebody like Dr. Peter McCullough makes a point that I've been making for the, since the very beginning, just because it, one is a little bit vindicating, but two, because he's an expert and he's, you know, he, he knows what he's talking about, but I've been making, you guys know those that have been watching the show. I've been making this point since the beginning. By the way, you can't find this anymore. This is the way on the way back machine. This is Moderna's work on COVID vaccine. Now ask yourself why they weirdly changed this and you can't find the information is not even there anymore. The way they break it down is not the same. You know why? Because this proves what I'm talking about proves. And by the way, even this video that's down here, YouTube censored this video. How you can't even make that. How stupid is that? Watch. I showed you this last time. Oh, it's going to bring up the Wayback Machine version. Hold on. <laughs> Look at that. YouTube's been removed. It's been removed for violating. So Moderna's video about how they made this injection has been violating, has violated YouTube's terms of service. How dumb is that? Okay. Chinese authorities shared genetic sequence of the novel coronavirus on January 11th, 2020. Two days, in fact. Two days. The NIH Moderna's infectious disease research team finalized their sequence. Now, again, guys, the point is his point's valid, of course, that there's no way that they can make that in two days unless there was something going on before. They just simply act like they were standing on their over old research. But that's not even the biggest point for me. I know they were working on this stuff beforehand, but the big point to me is, as I've played you many times, the CDC of China later came out and said very clearly, speaking with U.S. corporate media. That we did not, at the very least, at the time when this happened, that they did not have the isolated virus. And you can argue, as I've said every time, that they could have isolated it after that. I, I don't think that's true. For many reasons, I'm not going to get into again. It's an entire conversation. But at the very least, they admitted it wasn't happened when it wasn't isolated when this happened. So how in the world can Moderna make an injection based on a genetic sequence that had been isolated? And it's the same one. MRNA-1273 is the same substance they're using now that wasn't changed because of some isolation. So the point is, one, they clearly didn't need it to be isolated, which we've always been telling you. They just need genetic sequence. And then two, how in the world do they even know that's what we're dealing with? How do we know this wasn't just completely made up from whole cloth? Here's the CDC from China telling you this. And why has the data not been shared? No, they didn't isolate as a virus. That's the issue. That was an interview given with the corporate media. So then even worse, ask yourself how by the time, what's this, January 11th? So by the time we get to February 24th, they've already actually shipped the first batch. We're not even talking in a full two months away. They've already packaged, made, and shipped out the first batch. That's been the same thing since then. So his, his point is right. I mean, there's no way around this. This is, we are being gamed and it's never been this obvious in history. So people must be a combination of scared or too stupid to see what's happening in front of them if they're people in position to see it, like experts and doctors and scientists, because it's that clear. Now, the reason I started off with this was just to show you that he was censored in general, and I kind of got derailed on this. <laughs> I'm like, where was I again? But the point is just to see that in general and let you see that he was being censored. We're going to come back to some COVID-19 conversation in a minute. I want to start off with some foreign policy discussion, specifically the Crimea Bridge. But before we get that, just two points. A great article that Robert wrote uh, today, Iran's protests from women's rights to regime change. Now, he already wrote the earlier 
article about how this was uh, and it began, and he mentions it in this article as well, uh, about women's rights. But it's very quickly been hijacked and co-opted by obvious groups, specifically like the supposed leader of the revolution who literally works for the U.S. government and is paid by the U.S. government. Here she is pictured next to We Lie, We Cheat, We Steal Pompeo. Oh, and by the way, here's her actual $628,050 paycheck coming from the U.S. government. You know, no big deal there. But the fact that this is overlapped with the Kurds and how we've seen this before. And the bottom line is guys, that it's very clear how this is being abused. So if you want to understand what's really going on here, please read this article to understand how this is being gamed and how clear it really is that this is another regime change attempt by the U S government and outside forces. Now to get into Crimea, this is a really interesting situation to see this happen today. My first thought, I think I have right here, right when I saw this this morning. So I say, Oh great. The, the bridge was the bridge. Something happened to the bridge. So I said, so they scream about a completely fabricated Russian nuclear threat, which I'll go through and again in a minute, which they've already walked back slightly and then proceed to take every possible action to drive Russia to take a rational action. This could not be more transparent, especially to Russia. This whole PSYOP has been this transparent. Project Aerodynamic, which I continue to reference because that's what we're really looking at. This is a intelligence driven manipulation to destabilize and mire Russia. That's what this is. That's their stated process. That's what this it really is. It's not even an opinion. We'll come back to that. Now, the point here is this is how the U.S. corporate media is reporting this and more than U.S. Key bridge connecting Crimea to Russia partially collapses. <laughs> oh, really? That's the story. A fire broke out, apparently. And caused the bridge to collapse. Womp womp. There's your story. That's some great. That's some great work, guys. Whether we're talking about Twitter, because you know the Twitter's got their great, their great media, or whether they're citing what is this one, the Hill, you know, because we know how great the Hill is in their journalism, or any of them, by the way. They're all just kind of quietly talking, maybe pointing about an accusation, ignoring all. By the way, just this we they they have lost control of their hashtags. I think we've seen that lately. It's everywhere from apartheid, Israeli crimes, you know, Nazis in Ukraine. I mean, they, that's, the point is, guys, they it's so obvious that nobody buys what they're doing anymore that it's they can't. I don't even think they can control it anymore. They stop them very quickly, which is not usually how that goes, which kind of speaks to it being inaccurate or in our inorganic that they remove it really quickly. But it keeps popping back up. More new things pop up. The point is that corporate media is pushing this argument at the time when they argued this, I could prove. And that's when I got all this other stuff. All of this was available, whether it's on Twitter or other other independent reporters. So you're telling me that the Hill with all of their high resources and journalists can't find a picture of a drone underneath the underneath the bridge during the time that it happened. I mean, think, think about how willfully ignorant it is for them to write that kind of article when all of what I'm about to show you was all very easily found. Well, first of all, here's the image you can see. This is disclosed. Russia shuts all its airports in the south of the country after the bridge blast. This was 13 hours ago. And of course, right at that time, because they're never shying away from this, because they clearly know that the corporate press doesn't care what they do or say. They'll frame those good guys anyway. On a Telegram social media feed, Ukraine's special services said, quote, the bridge burns beautifully. So at the very least, relishing at the idea that this happened, even though civilians died. Because, you know, they're all good people over there, right? And I said, in case you're still trying lying to yourself about what these people actually are, here's Ukraine claiming and saying there and more will happen. Now, I'll come back to this in a second. Here is a, a pretty good shot of what's happening, which is pretty crazy. Look at this bridge. Now, oh, and by the way, just for a quick background, the bridge here, this is the bridge connecting Russia to Crimea. 
which they call an illegal bridge because they don't want that to be the reality. Even though Crimea went through a legal referendum, voted to be part of Russia, just like we're seeing happen in the Donbass region. And it's being proven by the fact that they're doing things like this and hurting the Crimea people, right? So think about how stupid it is that they're all relishing in the fact that the Crimean people are being hurt by this and then pretending that the Crimean people are being forced in Russia. How do you even have those two statements in the same conversation, right? Like, so they want to be part of Ukraine, but here's Ukraine hurting them. It just doesn't, it's, it's meant to be, they don't want you thinking about both those things at the same time, but it's impossible not to see it as they relish in that. Or how, as you can prove, just like with the current referendum that just happened, that P, there's international observers, it's impossible not to see what happened. All you get is fact, 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 international observer, people reporting on it, and U.S. government standing up and going, nope, fake, that's not true, intelligence says. Which is exactly what happens every single time. Doesn't mean that they're lying just by default, but history has shown that's usually a good guess. But let's, we should never guess. We should always wait for facts. But here is the bridge burning. And it says, explosion on the bridge between Crimea and Russia. Kiev wishes happy birthday to Putin. Biden, Ursula von der Leyen, and, and Zelensky will lead the world to nuclear war, this person says. Now, here's the video of the explosion itself. Another video from social networks, presumably from the moment of blowing up the Crimea Bridge. Now, one of the things that this was floated at, the, the ones that were willing to talk about an explosion instead of just a fire and a bridge collapse, that it was the, the truck exploded. But even that is turning out not seemingly not to be true. So just embarrassing how, how constantly wrong the corporate media is about fucking damn near everything. But we just, they just continued, which is artificial, guys. If, they, if you were wrong about constantly everything, people would stop looking at you. But it's, I just, that's, they're still there. Like, like New York Times, Washington Post and Russiagate and everything else. And they're just, they just still go forward. That's why I just don't believe that what we're seeing is genuine in regard to them being the leading journalists of today and everything else they push at you. But here is what the, the video, it starts right about here. I think it's really what you want to see. So the explosion, see, what's interesting to me is it's very clear the explosion comes from above like it's not the it's not the truck that explodes it seems based on the same based on this image because you can see it right there right now i'll show you the next part of this that seems to show i'll let it play out now look those are all civilians by the way those are civilians on this bridge and apparently some civilians died now here's slow newsday pointing out something that he found online and this is from some from some uh, surveillance cameras. This really does look like a wave before the truck approaches, lending credibility to this argument that there is a drone. This was coming from Russian media. Of course, you could argue they lied, but that's the easy way to dismiss something without intelligence and facts. You can consider this no matter who it comes from, like always. But you can see there's a wave before it explodes. And it does seem to look like something, like a ship or something right there. Now, it says, appears to be a footage of a submarine drone launching the attack on Crimea Bridge. If anyone has any other angles, and that's where this one came in. And you can kind of, you can see with it more of a color, that pretty clearly there's something right there, right before it happens. Hold on, I have to zoom out. Right there. See, now that could just be an organic. I don't know if, the, where it is. I guess it could be some kind of a wave just being objective about it. But uh, let's see. Yeah, that was it right there. And then they point this out. 
which I agree. This, this is, you know, not this just because it is there and it, it could be doesn't mean that it is just as a possible thought. Here is U.S. Navy select seals or U.S. Navy in general showing you their what their drone submarine. U.S. Navy selects HII Remus 300 for next gen small UUV program. The U.S. Navy has selected Huntington Ingalls Industries, HII, Remus 300 Unmanned Underwater Vehicle, UUV, for the next generation's small UUV program. In the program's initial stage, the UUV will undergo production and testing for the next year. The small UUV program is an upgrade on the MK-18 Mod 1 Swordfish program, which was platformed on the Remus 100 UUV the Remus 300 has been chosen through a two-year rapid prototyping effort that involved multiple user evaluations. It has also gone through a spiral development process for design refinement. It has an endurance of 30 hours and can dive 305 meters, 1,001 feet deep, performing a range of underwater missions such as mine countermeasures, naval warfare, and environmental assessments. Andy Green, Executive Vice President of HII and President of HII's Mission Technologies Division said, The Remus 300 is the most advanced small UUV on the market and will provide capabilities that are essential to the Navy mission, said Andy Green, Executive Vice President of HII and President of HII's Mission Technologies Division. The vehicle features a man-portable compact design incorporating advanced modularity and open architecture. So I didn't plan on playing it all for you. I just wanted to grab something really quickly. I forgot I was going to look. I, I, I wanted to look more into whether they're specific water drones, but I mean, it's not hard to think about how this could be sent. I mean, here's just a quick example, just a quick look. U.S. sends 100 killer drones called Switchblades to Ukraine, right? Now, do these involve water drones as well? I don't know specifically these switchblades are not, but the idea being that it's, it's we've already seen all the things they've been sending, you know, old Soviet versions of weaponry that's completely suspicious. They got caught for doing secretly, right? That was the that was the Wall Street Journal. They, they were sending old Soviet weaponry and they got caught. And they said, oh, it's just to, to study what Russia does, even though they don't use those anymore, because that makes sense, right? And then they got caught y- blaming Russia for using things that were those weapons. I mean, this is so obvious. So now we should ask whether or not that's part of this. Just simply an idea to think about. But the idea is, if this is what it is, it's not. it wouldn't be surprising to see that that's one of the drones that the U.S. government sent. But here is Defense of Ukraine posting, the guided missile cruiser Moskva and the Kerch Bridge, which is the Crimea Bridge, two notorious symbols of Russian power in Ukraine, Crimea, have gone down. What's next in line, Ruskies? I mean, it's just these people are blatant. And here's Wyatt Reed saying bragging about terrorism. It sounds like you want to make a report for glorification of violence. Of course, Twitter will not take them down. I mean, for crying out loud, they left up a video still to this day of Azov militants dipping their bullets in pig fat to kill Muslims. Can you imagine if anybody even even typed that out? It wasn't part of Azov movement. They would be censored forever because of racism or bullying or whatever else. But not the Azov movement, though. It's just it's insulting. Now, he also points out at least three civilians were killed in the suicide bombing that top Ukrainian officials are now bragging about on social media. Remember, it's not terrorism if they're our terrorists. Exactly. Crimea, the bridge, at the beginning, everything illegal must be destroyed. Everything stolen must be returned to Ukraine. Everything occupied by Russia must be expelled. These are Ukrainian 
officials who are literally bragging about how this is part of what they're doing, that these things need to be taken back because it's stolen material, that you'll find this across the board. Even, I mean, anybody talking about this that is on Ukraine accounts. Oh, and guess what, by the way? The Telegraph even reports this. Weird how they just had this ready to go. Apparently, Ukraine has released a stamp celebrating the, the, the Crimea Bridge on the day that it was attacked with an explosion picture that they just apparently rushed out in 30 seconds, right? I mean, think about that. Guys, this is blatantly, this is insulting to your intelligence. The government is going to come out and pretend like we don't know. Everything's in front of you. They will never look into this like they never looked into what happened so far, like Bucha or the train station or all the lies about everything else they've been doing, the people they've been killing, people they've been tying to lampposts, people they've been torturing and beating and stealing from. They don't care about this stuff because they don't really care about people and what they're dealing with. They care about pretending about those things so they can achieve an end. I'm not even making this up, guys. You, for the podcast, Ukraine's government put out a stamp with a picture of an exploding bridge commemorating the attack on this bridge the day that this happened, I mean, hours after it happened, this is how crazy this has gotten. And your government and the corporate media will pretend like this isn't happening. I guess save for the Telegraph, but they have been doing some interesting work countering some of the things that have been happening. Either way, this is painfully obvious. And this is what your government is funding, supporting, cheering on. And you know who else is? The blue checks on Twitter and the people around the world that are lost in this. Wyatt Reed also points out the Kiev regime has already claimed credit for this terrorist attack, but the Western press wants you to think the bridge just spontaneously combusted. That's again, that, I was pointing that this is what the New York Times says. A fire erupted in the bridge, imperiling a primary support route. This and in the fiery, you, you read it's the same point. A fire erupted and the bridge collapsed. Great journalism, New York Times. Apparently, we're able to stumble across some tweets faster than you can write an entire article. No, it's because you're ignoring these things because they're children. Patrick Lancaster points out something as interesting that even though this just happened, Russia's already announced that road traffic will start on the Crimea Bridge one lane each way today. Think about that. Within an hour and trains will start tomorrow. So as much as they want to keep screaming about how they just ended everything and Crimea will never go yellow too late. Already back up. <laughs> that's how that worked, right? At least that's what they're claiming. We'll see what happens. But their whole point was that this is now they're going to suffer because they know they can't go back in the next day. They got it up and running. That would be a little bit of a you know, poke in the eye to what they think they just accomplished. But either way, that's my point is that they're all cheering this on. Oh, I forgot about this. Just if we want to understand who these people are, I really should have done this at the end. Let me just wait to get to this one. Here is one of these people I'm talking about. Anton Gurashenko, Ukrainian patriot. He literally posts a video ins insinuating that Putin did this. For the podcast, it just shows Putin going, take a deep breath and on my command. One Two, three, and then it shows the bridge explode. Making light of the fact that these people just died, right? Can you imagine if this was in reverse? In any small other context of any kind, they would be crying and virtue signaling about how you don't care about the people's lives. But it's okay, because they're, they're bad guy Russia stuff, though. Oh, Crimea. Oh, but Russia, you know. But they're part of Ukraine, we swear. But we're okay they're dying because they want to be part of Russia, except that's not what we claim. We talk about it elsewhere, that they never wanted to be there and they got forced. Yeah, whoops, how does that work, right? How is it okay they get killed because they're bad guy Russia, but they're not, though, because they want to be part of, of Ukraine and it was all a sham, right? You see my point? There's no way to make an argument in this broken narrative because they've lost it. Nothing adds up anymore. They're shooting themselves in the foot in every turn. I, that's why people can see through this. But this guy, even though half of his other comments are, are cheering on how we did this, 
here he is making, making the argument that essentially this was, and then at the end it says, what birthday doing? Whatever that means. <laughs> Celebrating this. I mean, this is gross. These people are gross. Here he is. London Bridge is down. Code phrase for the death of Queen Elizabeth. Sorry, smart guy. That's not even the Bridge of London, but these are the people leading everybody, apparently, with his blue check and everything. Kurt's Bridge is down, question mark. I don't even know what you're insinuating that maybe that, that Putin is killed, or I don't even know, but it's just, it's just, it's propaganda. Look at this, white lives matter trending. <laughs> it's just every, see, look, Israel's already gone. That's not how trending works. It wouldn't be gone 30 seconds later, right? But first of all, you're dumb for putting the wrong bridge in there, but this is just an insinuation of more to come. Right. Like Putin's next. That's I mean, that's what this is. Here he is actually speaking on this show. And he, this is where he says this is a huge ideological blow to the whole story about Crimea. What a, a fire happening organically? Well, it doesn't really add up, does it? All Russians who come to live on the peninsula today once again realize they have to leave. I don't even know why that's the case, seeing as how one lane traffic is apparently back up. But at the same point, why they think because the bridge is attacked that now they realize they have to leave. Well, wait a minute. I thought you guys are the ones arguing the Crimeans didn't want to be part of Russia. You see how easy this is to point out? <clears throat> so if he's right here saying this is them convincing them they shouldn't be there or that this will force them to go back, then clearly they want to be part of Russia. <laughs> Oops. I mean, it's just childish how they can't even get their narrative. The point is the U.S. government, the corporate media have picked a narrative just like the COVID vaccine, and they don't really care what else happens. And whether they convince themselves that's right or not, it doesn't matter. They're wrong. Here's what he has to say on the show. Thanks to this strike. Strike. First thing he says. Are we, are we pretending this is still just a fire that broke out? This strike. Thousands of tons of ammunition, hundreds of tanks and armored vehicles will not be delivered. Clearly, this was a strategic attack. Therefore, less Ukrainians will die thanks to the Crimean bridge collapse today. He says, so this is a huge ideological blow to the whole story of, with Crimea. I, I really don't even understand why that. I mean, that's what they want you to take it as. All Russians who believed in Putin, believed Putin and came to live in Crimea, which was stolen from Ukraine, which is just simply not true. I mean, it's just e the easiest thing in the world to prove today. Once again, realize that they that they would have to leave. It's, it's just crazy. So strike. Right. It's a strike. Now, Hadi Nasrallah points something out that I think is an excellent comparison. That really, again, just shows you, as I've been saying lately, they're only consistent in the level of their hypocrisy. And it's just everywhere you look. He says, watching Westerners, which you, that you would, if you look on Twitter, it's everywhere. It's gross. It's like the people with the Ukraine flags in their bios cheering on Russians being hurt or people being attacked or, or in the same context, people who are against anti-vaxxers, whatever they want to pretend that is okay with anybody being hurt that doesn't take the vaccine. I mean, it's just gross. Watching Westerners celebrate blowing up civilians on a bridge is the final stage of hypocrisy. Suddenly killing people is acceptable. Bombing civilian infrastructure is heroic. And pushing for a nuclear war is good. But God forbid a Palestinian throws a rock at an Israeli soldier. It, that, I mean, I, that needs to be, po that, that, I wish that was the entire show right there. What an excellent, the point is they will never want to accept that. That's not a fair compare, whatever. But the average person that doesn't see it all, that is stark. It doesn't matter the narrative around either side. You're, you, they flip out about this. And it's okay, you can kill those people. But in reverse, think about what they're cheering right now. 
There's no, it doesn't matter whether you think Russia bad, whatever. This was civilian infrastructure. These were civilians that were killed. And nonetheless, they're cheering on, cheering it on. Sad. Now, after all of that, like, as far as I could tell, just like an hour ago, or it looks like two hours ago, Wyatt Reed posted, my hotel in Donetsk just got hit by a Ukrainian artillery strike. I watched a massive explosion rock the intersection of Artemis Street and Hurova Avenue moments before recording this video while walking back. Understand, this is a civilian area. There is nowhere near a front line here. This is in the middle of the downtown Donetsk area. They're bombing directly into the civilian area. That's been proven a hundred times over. Your corporate media and your government don't care at all. He says, if I'd run, return 30 seconds earlier, he'd be dead. Here's the video. He said, Kiev regime forces just attacked the Donbass Palace Hotel. The reason, in my opinion, and what he wrote, and I agree, known for hosting international journalists. For the second time in a month, Eva Bartlett was there last time they bombed it. The point is, guys, they see all of the ports from him and other people exposing what's going on with the bridge. And they apparently, this is my opinion, and they attack this area. How, whatever the reasoning, they attacked an area that's in a civilian location, knowing it houses international journalists. There's only two ways to look at this. Your government is okay with that or, or doesn't know, doesn't care. Like ignorance is bliss. That is pretty messed up. But you need to see who these people really are. At the very least, who they're funding and who these people are who are trying to kill people like Wyatt. Now, before we go on to the next topic, I'm going to include this one. We just pointed out another one the other day. This is another article in the same vein. There's so much of this work out there, it's impossible not to see this unless you're choosing to ignore it. This is Covert Action Magazine. This is posted September 12th, 2022. Ukraine, the CIA's 75-year-old proxy. This is one of the only articles that has mentioned what I continually dive into, which is Project Aerodynamic. That's why they talk about it as a 75-year project. This is exactly the argument I've been making. This is not just a new, this is a proxy they built back in the time of Soviet Union. And they've kept it going. And now we're watching it used. That's the reality. It's undeniable. 2014 was just the re-solidifying of their control over the entire Ukrainian government. And this proxy has ballooned from 2014 to now as the entire thing. It's undeniably clear. And the point is I'm constantly making is this was a not just an accident, not just funding who they could work with. It was a conscious choice to fund the fascist elements of the country that were diminishing at the time. I just reported this to you the, the other day. The operate the organization for Ukrainian nationalists and at the time the ZPUHR, I believe, the group was diminishing. They chose, as they again, good for them, point out Mykola Lebed, a known, a arrested at the time Nazi war criminal, an actual Nazi war criminal, and brought him over, set him up at a company called Prologue in New York City, a media company, which you continue to propagandized people in their own direction and in Ukraine and grew this to this day. It is undeniable. Read the entire article. I've gone over most of this explicitly. It's a great article. The point is, guys, this is why this is happening. And they're well aware of what they're doing. Now, this is the leader on a kind of a lighthearted note, but it's jokey, but it's, this is actually him. And the point is there's been images of this going around of the, of the, of the uh, um, New Zealand prime minister. <clears throat> but just look at this image and tell me that you don't obviously know. And I don't know for sure. Who knows what could have been going on? But my personal opinion, I think it's impossible not to see what exactly is happening here. 
Oh, you saw, oh, they're, oh, they're looking at me. Oh, okay. Busted. Right. Forgot he was on camera, maybe. This is what puppets look like that are using your money to buy illicit things. That's what we saw everywhere else. That's what we saw for money going to Syria, money going to Afghanistan, money going anywhere this happens. They've already even told you that only 30% can be accounted for, if that's even true. I mean, th- this is painful. And this says we can't, people can't even feed their families. Again, even worse now. Not at Pasco. Now we're getting into the Great Reset direction and they still can't feed their families. And they're dumping billions upon billions of dollars into this person's pocket. And realize that they just slipped in another gigantic grouping of billions of dollars into the government shutdown bill on top of what else was already going and ensure that these people be funded all the way through 2029. That it, it, This is painful. This is criminal. And of course, here is the image. I, I, I don't even have the video, but it's not the same kind of video of the uh, New Zealand prime minister, but I, she argues it's some kind of a sweet, like eating sweets or something. I don't know. But the, the point is, <clears throat> I don't know. I wonder if all these people aren't puppets today. But on that note, let's jump over into the nuclear, nuclear discussion. I feel it's funny. A long time ago, somebody gave me a hard time about thinking I was saying nu- nuclear, like the, pronouncing it wrong. And I just think it's the way I speak. Nuclear, nuclear. But I say it quickly. It comes off sounding like that. In any case, I'm well aware of how it's pronounced. October 4th, 2022. Four days ago, White House says it has no indication Russia has, is preparing to use nuclear weapons. Okay, that's a little different than what we were that they were saying, right? So White House steps up and says, "Nope, nope, there's no indication, none at all." Basically saying, "No, you know, the, despite raber, saber rattling, you know, basically just hyping it up because that's what they do back and forth all the time, no matter it's left or right or anybody in power, U.S. president, other people, they all do it always." No options off the table. In fact, Trump was pretty damn bellicose about it. Saying, I mean, literally saying we would nuke people or saying that we would do something worse than Hiroshima. Like he was very over the top. So if we're ever going to point out something like that, Trump was the worst about that. But Putin's just doing what everybody always does. Saying that if, you know, well, I have no options off the table. And they go, oh my God, he's going to kill us all. That's what happens. Okay, well then why didn't they freak when Biden did? They all do it. So it's just childish. That's why this came out. They said, no, no, just, you know, normal sable rattling, sable, jeez. Saber rattling. No big deal. That was KG, KJP on October 4th. Then two days later, Biden comes out and says, Armageddon! Putin not even joking about nuclear attack. Okay, wait a minute. So this sa- nothing changed, by the way. It's the same talking points. And yet somehow the White House reports that there's no indication at all. Just old-fashioned saber, saber rattling. No big deal. And then Biden comes out and has missed the memo and goes, we're all going to die. <laughs> it's just... maybe that's actually intentional. Like we've been seeing throughout this whole process to make you confused, disjointed. Like what's what, what, wait a minute. Well, Biden has asserted that Putin is quote, not joking about the threats to escalate the Russian war by using tactical nuclear weapons. That never happened guys. I proved this to you. Now, yes, he did make comments about using, I mean, look, even if he went as far as to say, I will use nuclear weapons if pushed to that, that's no different than any other government anywhere that's in a defensive posture, nuclear speaking, right? The U.S. government is openly taking a first attack stance. Whether or not they're bellicose about it or not, that's on paper way more concerning. Putin is simply saying that if he's pushed, he will respond. And he's made that very clear. That includes nuclear weapons. It includes any. We will respond however we need to to defend our country. 
And then they freak out and say, he's going to threaten nuclear weapons everywhere. And nowhere did that actually happen. It's that, that, that's, and everybody knows that. They know that. I think they just wanted this discussion to circulate so the, the people that aren't paying attention would get scared. But here's what it says next, and this is the worst part. He's not joking, Biden says, when he talks about potential use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological and chemical. That didn't even enter the conversation. Like, that wasn't even, I mean, that if you ever wanted to see in this nuclear discussion that this was just completely made of whole cloth, it's right there. Why don't you just include, you know, drone, uh, you know, cyborg attacks? Why not, right? He, he could have could meant that too. It could be, when the point is they're just being ridiculous about it because they want you to include all this stuff. If you, I, I hope, you know, I go back and watch my last show. If you're questioning whether he actually said it, I went through it in fine tooth comb. It didn't happen. Now they're just shoehorning in biological and chemical. Why not? Let's open the conversation because the people that don't know what's going on still don't, they might, might as well have said that. How embarrassing. I don't know if Biden knows that or not. I don't think he knows of much of all right now. I think he just says what he's supposed to. But here is one day ago. Ukraine war from the BBC. World must act now to stop Russia nuclear threat, quoting Zelensky. But then right in the article, the first three, technically the first two paragraphs, the first one is the kind of subtitle or whatever you call that, the first opening summary. It basically says the exact opposite. And then at the end of the article, reiterates the title. (laughs) It gets exactly my point. But check out what it says. So realize we've gone through about a week of just aggressive, over-the-top fear-mongering about nuclear attack to the point where people are literally scared about nuclear war on Twitter, right? And people and children, I mean, it's everywhere. And yet, this is what he says today. I think it's because they realized they went too far, and I don't even know if his little clip I'll play you next about him, with this clearly drugged up on this picture, it seems like, and not just this picture, but the way he's moving and everything. The point is that he's openly calling for this, and I don't think maybe they thought that this would get aired out. He's speaking in in Ukrainian, but it says Ukraine's President Zelensky says Russian officials have begun to, quote, prepare their society for the possible use of nuclear weapons. Now, I'm not sure what they're what they're pointing at there, but I wouldn't surprise me if it was something as simple as what's happening in this country. The U.S. government just bought nuclear radiation pills. Are we going to write 14 articles about how they're about to attack people with nuclear weapons? It's far more likely, seeing as it's the only government in the world that's used it on people twice. Right. But my point is I wouldn't be surprised if it's the if it's Russia preparing for the possible use of nuclear weapons in general by preparing their people, by giving them what they need. And then that becomes preparing for the use of them. That, I, I don't know that. I'm just saying that's how silly this has gotten to where it's just it's, I don't even know why they would need anything to make that argument. But it says but added. And this is the crazy part. Zelensky adds that he does not believe Russia's ready to use them. What? I mean, that's embarrassing. You, you've literally just meant, spent the last week. I mean, here, Ukraine capital preparing to evacuate for possible nuclear strike. Okay, so you're going to pretend, by the way, on the same day, the 4th, that you're, the White House says no indication it's going to happen. That's how ridiculous this all is. The same day, Zelensky goes, we're after evacuate. It's, you, you remember when it was there. On the 4th, we were talking about this, and they were like, his hair was on fire. That's how they were reporting this. Like, they're going to attack, and we need to do something about it. That's why this video came out where he was saying we need to attack them first. So that's how that went down. And now we're going to pretend like, no, no, I don't think he's going to use them. No, somebody clearly spoke to you and said, pull this back. You don't act like you're all going to be killed by nuclear attacks to the point to where you evacuate capitals or argue you're about to and act. We need to strike first. Otherwise, he's going to use nuclear weapons. And then the very next day, say, I don't think it's going to happen. Something shifted. 
I'll play this clip for you next. In an interview with the BBC, Zelensky denied having urged strikes on Russia. That's what's happening now. Claiming that an early remark had simply been mistranslated. I'm going to prove to you that's ridiculous. You must use preventative kicks, he said, or claimed he said, referring to sanctions, not attacks. Right. Probably because there's probably a close translation between kicks and attacks in Ukrainian. Either way, he's lying to you. Easily, undeniably lying to you. This is the kind of garbage the media will happily ignore when they want to sell you on a narrative. I'll show you why in a second. Here it goes down and says, quote, they are not ready to do it, to use it. But they began to communicate. They don't know whether they'll use it or not. Okay, so now apparently Zelensky knows what they're thinking. What kind of children buy this stuff? I think it's dangerous to even speak about it. Except all the times you've spoken about it over the last week, screaming it's about to happen. Now you think it's dangerous, though. This guy just says whatever he thinks people want to hear in the moment, even though you can prove he's lying to you constantly. I think it's dangerous to speak about. So why then have you been speaking about it for a week or longer? I mean, look, I, again, I can show you back to the fourth where he's going nukes and stuff. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. He denied having called for strikes on Russia during an online event on Thursday, saying the Ukrainian word he had used had been misunderstood. Of course, it's just a simple misunderstanding. After the translation, Zelensky said, and of course, see, what's here's what's funny. The translation wasn't the Russians. The translation came from the people that translated the video on his event. But yet he still says the Russians did it. The Russians did their way, how they it's useful for them, and it began to retranslate in other directions. Right. So apparently the Russian government influenced the meeting you had and forced them to translate it the way they did. What a conspiracy. The interview happened hours after U.S. President Biden said that the Russian threat to use nuclear weapons had brought the world closer to Armageddon than any time since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, let's talk hyperbolically, right? So nothing's actually happened. There's no actual weapons even being even being like presented. It's just the talk that if you push me, I'll have to respond. And that's bigger than the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, this is like saying we have hurricanes like we've never seen before. These guys are just lying to you because they don't know what else to do. President Zelensky said action was needed now as Russian threats were a risk for the whole planet. Okay, so now we're pretending still we're talking about sanctions because we know how well those work. Moscow, he claimed, had made a step already by occupying the, the nuclear power plant. Europe's largest nuclear station, which Putin is trying to turn into Russian property. I, I, whatever how they're framing this, but the point is that the ones putting it at risk are the ones currently bombing it and bragging about it. Ukrainian military worked brilliantly bombing Russian occupiers near the plant. Well, they're in the plant, not near it. So, and it's, you could, I, I proved this the other day. They are literally using, by the way, kamikaze drones, which they're trying to blame on Russia right now for all sorts of things that were supplied by the U.S. government. What a shock. To attack a nuclear power plant. And that's when he's going, oh my God, nuclear power. You know, that he's acting like when, 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 uh, Putin was first aiming at this, when they were holding it, that they were putting the whole world at risk. Then the moment they take it, they bomb the same thing. You don't need a PhD to see how ridiculous this all is. Goes on to say, the world can't, can stop urgently the actions of Russia occupiers, President Zelensky said. The world can implement the sanction package. This is the new interview you see. He's trying to make it sound like that's what he was saying. In such cases, and do everything to make them leave the nuclear power plant. Right, because economically sanctioning Russian families will make them give up a strategic point in Ukraine. I mean, it's just dumb. Sanctions never actually get the... the well, I shouldn't say it like that. Sanctions never end up getting the effect they claim they want them for. 
They always do what they want them to do, which is hurt the peoples of these countries and drive them into desperation so they react against their country, their country's government. They claim they want them to drive action from the government. They never, ever, as far as I can ever tell, have ever actually translated into exactly that. But at the end, it says everything Putin is afraid of and is not the nuclear hit. He's afraid of his community. He's afraid of his people because though only those people are capable of replacing him nowadays, take away his power, give it to someone else. Right. Because, you know, Zelensky's psychic and he can tell what Putin thinks. This is court. This is current corporate journalism. Asked whether President Putin could survive an eventual Ukrainian win in the war. He said, I don't care. Wow. I mean, in case you missed that last sentence, this is <clears throat> the BBC doing what it does. As, as Vanessa Bealey and others have pointed out, they are the worst of the worst. Not just lying, but actually taking part in terrorist activity. Actually working with these people on the ground. <clears throat> Here is, they're asking the direct question, would Putin keep, be killed? <clears throat> That's my opinion. Excuse me. <clears throat> in the way it speaks there, but read it for yourself. Whether asked whether Putin could survive a Ukrainian win. What language to use? What do you mean survive politically? Sure. Let's assume that's what they mean. Are you going to kill him when you win? That's how I take it anyway. But okay, but let's remember he's saying it was about sanctions. That's it. I just I'm just talking about sanctioning them. We need to make sure that we use preventative kicks because, you know, it's a common turn of phrase. It's on top of mind or whatever else. Right. Okay. well, let's again. Take a listen to what he actually said. And, I, and and the only word they're saying was taken out of context was the word, uh, what, whichever was strikes or, let me see, attacks. And then kicks is what he claims he meant. Well, okay, then let's look at the rest of it. What should NATO do, he says? Eliminate the possibility of Russia using nuclear weapons. Okay, first point. Clearly, sanctions can eliminate the use of nuclear weapons, right? <laughs> Obviously. Not. Унеможливлювати застосування Росією ядерної зброї. Але що важливо? He says, but what is important? I once again appeal to the national community, as I did. Ливо я ще раз звертаю міжпільноту. Як це було? Превентивні удари. We need preemptive strikes. Well, okay, wait a minute, though. That's not even the word attacks. Preemptive kicks? Well, still doesn't make sense, does it? Unless you mean something else. Or how about the fact that it does make sense? It just doesn't make sense the way you want it to. You can't say preemptive sanctions, can you? Oops. This guy's an idiot. I mean, if you really think that we're too stupid to see through this, I mean, guys, this is very easy. And by the way, you can check those people that speak Ukrainian. He's very clearly asking for preemptive somethings so that they'll know what will happen to them if they use nukes. Right. So you're arguing that if they use nukes, we'll sanction them? You see how stupid this is? Are you going to pretend that BBC fell for this? No, they are absolutely allowing this. They are lying to you. BBC is the worst of the worst. I don't even know how they're still around. And not the other way around. Then he says, yeah. Don't wait for Russia's nuclear strikes and then say, oh, since you did this, take this from us. Re reconsider the way you apply pressure. This is what NATO should do. Reconsider the order in which you apply pressure. So again, the argument being that we'll use sanctions first and that will stop them, even though that's not what's happened so far. But either way you look at it, the main point is preemptive strikes. Preemptive. 
I mean, it's just obvious that this guy's calling for attacks and somebody was like, hey, man, you went too far. And so he pulled it back. But even though that's the other part, though. So this starts off by saying, I don't think he's going to use them, though. So the why is the title? The word must act now to stop a nuclear threat. If the first sentence is he's not going to use them. That's just it's, it's, it's just stupid. I mean, I can't even think of a better word for it here. Oh, just in case I skipped over too quickly before. I mean, the idea is simply that it's obvious that he was acting like he thought something was going to happen at the very least lying to you, or maybe he thought it was however you look at it. So he's just jumping back and forth narrative to narrative back on April, 2022, he was already arguing that they were going to use them. So it's weird now that it's not going to happen since you've been hyping the threat the whole time. And again, they're the ones bombing this area. But here's the best part about all this. This is from yesterday. So it starts with Biden's White House saying there's no indication of any problem. And by the way, the intelligence hasn't really changed throughout this. They're just changing the narrative. And then he then then the two days later, he goes, we're Armageddon. He's not lying about that. He's not joking. And then two days or one more day later, Biden's Armageddon warning wasn't based on new intelligence, U.S. says. <laughs> these guys have to manage what he says, like kind of like the way they were Trump. It's like they, what this tends to show you is these people are being cowed along. They're being corralled. They're being controlled. The White House said Joe Biden's warning of Armageddon if Russia uses nuclear weapons in Ukraine was not based on any new intelligence suggesting nuclear threat is imminent. The U.S. president issued his warning at a private fundraising event in his most outspoken remarks. Oh, so he's guessing? He's lying? You're saying he doesn't really know? I'd love to see how KJP fumbles through this one. Nuclear threats were on top of mind, and then he just figured it was, <laughs> who knows? It's just how nonsensical they try to get through this. It's embarrassing. But the point is, they're hyping this, even though they have to admit there's no indication, back to the very first statement, that it's actually happening. All of that. Now, what were they trying to distract you from by talking about that? Now let's jump into the evolution of the surveillance happening around all of us and this weird executive order that's happening right now. And by the way, to start off, I kind of believe that this is building on the back of the recent executive order they put out on the AI Bill of Rights, um, as well as the bioeconomy and all the recent things they're doing, you know, in the, in the rule by executive order world we live in, even though these same people were screaming about how Trump was overusing executive orders, right? <laughs> you know, or even in reverse, how the Republicans were screaming about how Obama was overusing executive orders, then Trump did the same thing. It's a child's game that we play and we pretend like it's not the same every time. But the point is that we do live in a world where they sign documents individually and pretend like that's democracy or even Republican or whatever. You know, the bottom line is executive orders aren't binding to the world or anybody outside the executive branch. Yet, they sign these and we pretend like that's law now, right? It's not. Even though this has to do with something well beyond the U.S. state, the U.S. country. That's what's most concerning about this. Well, this next part. First of all, my point was Biden's AI Bill of Rights was put out and it made this sprawling argument about how we're going to defend. You know, we're going to we're going to push through AI, whether you like it or not. But here's all these safeguards and railings and how we're going to make sure that your privacy is kept. And if you have problems that you can opt out and all this stuff and all it amounts to is we'll do this unless we have to do, you know, basically every statement's like you can do this if you feel like you're not getting your rights upheld. But. We can do this if necessary, or we'll do this for you unless we feel otherwise. Like everything's got a caveat that gives them the bigger national security argument they use for everything all the time. So basically means none of that. As always, just look at the Patriot Act if you care to understand how these things are always being done. 
But the point is they said, we'll do all of this for you. And then they come up with this next one, which very clearly seems to be related to the idea of all of this stuff. Not just the, not just the AI bill of rights, not just the bio economy, but the whole damn thing, the whole great reset direction. This is despite not even mentioning it in this executive order specifically has to do with what's called the, where is it? I'm going to come back to these. Have it highlighted somewhere in here. <laughs> here we go. The, uh, EU-US data privacy framework, specifically between Biden and President von der Leyen of the EU. So ask yourself how it makes sense that an executive order is being signed that changes the data surveillance guide rails in regard to how they exchange intelligence information across countries. Like, this is how off the rails this has gotten. I would, argue, I would argue this could be like literally called into question in a court of law, if that's even something we can even do anymore. But the, I've seen a thousand different takes about what this is across the internet. It seems like everyone's confused and everyone has a different opinion. It has to do with Hunter's laptop. It has to do with Siri. It has to do with COVID vaccine. It's everyone's got their hot take on this. Now, maybe they're all right. But I think it's important to take a step back and realize that maybe there's more to this than we can grasp at first look. And, and, and it's always the way that they manipulate the verbiage. But the just the 10,000 elevation look here, from what I can tell, this is about removing the the what's necessary for the trading off of data information, the kind of public-private partnership, the World Economic Forum Great Reset idea, right? The global governance framework of exchanging information. I, I do think it has to do with you personally, but also just on whatever intelligence operations are ongoing, which includes you. But now it has to do with not just the U.S. government, but they're opening up this framework, which, by the way, existed before, and they shut it down. And, and the EU demanded certain things, and now the U.S. is essentially pandering to them and saying, okay, well, what about what if we remove these? Okay, and now they're agreeing. This has nothing to do with protecting you, in my opinion, at all. In fact, I think they're removing things that are safeguards for your privacy so the EU and everybody else and whoever's involved in this will be accepting of what is happening here. That's just my opinion. You come to your own conclusions about it. Let me show you what it says. October 7th, National Security Memorandum on the Partial Revoking revocation of presidential presidential policy directive 28 now it says the partial the this on the executive order that they're putting out here october 7th which is called enhancing safeguards or rather the the yeah it's enhancing safeguards for united states signals intelligence activities so just so it's clear enhancing safeguards for intelligence activities does not mean safeguards for your privacy that's a side note they put out there so they act like they always do that. And I always point that out. When it's a bill that literally undermines your privacy, they go, that will make sure that we safeguard your privacy. You know, they add that in there, nice flowery language, and they never appear, adhere to it. But they're safeguarding the signals intelligence activities, which is their surveillance and how that's operating. It says it establishes enhanced safeguards for United States signals intelligence activities. Not you, not your privacy. Enhance safeguards for that operation or that activity that supersedes the safeguards for personal information collection. You can't get much more clear than that. Now, I don't even know how they're trying to frame this as somehow beneficial for Americans. If you are literally establishing safeguards that super safeguards for the operation of collecting in, intelligence that supersede the safeguards that were previously set to protect you from their overreaching, then what are we talking about? This is writing in executive order, the rolling back of, of safeguards that, that weren't even being adhered, by the way. That's the first point. They've limitlessly been collecting everything they could possibly imagine on you this whole time, regardless of what a 
framework they had in place. Now they're just removing some of those safeguards they didn't even adhere to, in my opinion. But it says they're doing this through signals intelligence established by Presidential Policy Directive 28. Now, what it says here, I'm going to read you the whole main part. The executive order establishes enhanced safeguards in recognition that signals intelligence activities must be conducted. Of course, that's what they argue. I'm sure Americans would think differently in a manner that takes into account that all persons should be treated with dignity and respect, regardless of their nationality or wherever they might reside, and that all persons have legitimate privacy interests in the handling of their personal information. Okay, so that means nothing, right? So the point, the meat of what they just said there is that this enhanced, the enhanced safeguards in, recogni- in recognition that signals intelligence activities must be conducted in a manner that does all the flower language we list off. Okay, well, that doesn't change the fact that you're removing the safeguards that make sure that personal information is collected in the proper way. Just because you go enhance safeguards that don't do that, but will say these things afterward, means nothing. You see my point? They're removing safeguards for personal data collection in, in the interest of safeguarding the activities they're doing. And they, they basically go, that removal should be conducted in a manner that does all this stuff. That's what they just did. Well, that doesn't, that's, that's like saying stealing things from you should be done in a way that makes sure you don't lose your, your items. <laughs> well, that doesn't even make sense. If you're stealing from me, ensuring that I don't get stolen from doesn't make sense. That's what I think they're saying right there. Tell me if you think I'm wrong, because I do think this is intentionally convoluted. It says, therefore, it is essential to maintain the policy process refined by Section 3 of PPD 28, which I'll show you next, and supplemented by the classified annex to PPD 28, under which national security policymakers consider carefully the values of signals, intelligence activities to our national interests and the risks entailed conducting those activities all right so it's essential to keep section three under which national security poll they basically these people the higher-ups consider carefully the value of those signals none of that has to do with you it has to do well it does in the sense that they're using your information in these operations but then it says revocation so revoking ppd 28 presidential policy i believe that's what it is presidential policy directive correct Presidential Policy Directive 28 is hereby revoked except for Section 3 and 6. 6 is the general general provisions. So it's basically just the, I'll, just, I'll read it to you in a second. 3 is the part we're talking about. And the classified annex to that directive, which remains in effect. Which, of course, so it's like, and the things we're not going to talk about that you don't get to see because it's classified, national security. So that in and of itself could be the caveat to all of this, which is always how dumb this is. Right. And that classified part could be like, none of this means anything and we're all lying. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking, but it, why not? I mean, it, it's, it's crazy the way this operates when they're talking about how they're using your information, but you're not allowed to see how they're operating. It's kind of silly, but it says nothing in this memorandum under the general provisions of this memorandum. I'll show you the general provisions of the PPD 28, but it's the same everywhere. It's kind of like this boilerplate. Nothing in this memorandum shall be construed to impair or otherwise affect the authority granted to law to the executive department by the brand. Of course, how God forbid we should write something that may suggest that you lose some power, right? It's always how this works. And it's usually in a way that lists all of it. It makes a huge caveat. And I'll show you what I mean in the next part. But okay, so the first part's pretty damn clear. But let's understand what is section three of PPD 28. Seemingly the only thing they're going to leave in the safeguards protecting you against overreach of surveillance now what's weird by the way this is the link that they link to in this presidential policy directive 28 but when you click on this link it takes you to this this pdf which by the way says issued 2015 yet 
this is talking about something issued in January 2014. And on the same point, I can't find any of the stuff we're talking about in this. So, I, But it does clearly say safeguarding personal information. So I haven't gone through this explicitly. But it's weird seeing as how this seems to be the one they're referencing. Section 3 and 6 are here. and You can read them. I can't find Section 3 or 6 in general in this. You can find the numbers 3 and 6, but there's B, 5, 4. Well, maybe I missed the Roman numerals. Let me double check. No, 5, 6, 7 is questions. There's no questions on this one. Anyway, I don't want to waste time on this. My point is it's strange. Maybe it's meant to be just confusing. That's not surprising to me. But anyway, this one aside, I'll find, I'm going to look more into why I think they even included this. But it does see what's weird. Is it does say 2014 right there. So my point is why, if they're the same document, are they different? I mean, look, you can just see by the base. Subject, scope. I mean, it's not even the same. Anyway, not to get derailed. Here's what, at the very least, they're pointing at when they say this, because there are the sections in here. Signals intelligence activities. Now, it says the collection of signals intelligence, this is under specifically PPD-28, is necessary for the United States to advance national security, whatever that even means, and foreign policy interests, which, by the way, means war, and to protect its citizens, which is, I don't even think even remotely what actually happens, and the citizens of its allies and partners from harm. At the same time, signals intelligence activities and the possibility that such activities may be improperly disclosed to the public pose risks. Okay, wait a minute. So now they're talking about this like it protects you. But what it literally says is that signals intelligence activities and the possibility that you may find out about what's happening poses risks. That's what it really says. Improperly disclosed to the public poses risks. So I think we're being kind of the whole tricked by this whole thing. These include risks to our relationship with other nations, including the cooperation we receive from other nations on law enforcement, counterterrorism. I mean, the point is this goes on to make the argument that this is about their information and their data flow and making sure you don't screw it up. In determining why, whether, when, and how the United States conducts this activities, these activities, we must weigh all these considerations in a context of which information and communication technologies are constantly changing. Right here, they talk about treating people with dignity and respect. Again, the same point, it's meaningless because they just they just kind of shoehorn it in the middle and it's not ground, grounded in anything that's binding. But the point is, that's what, that's what this is. So bottom line is this, before they changed anything, PPD-28 was essentially justifying how they were collecting data information around the world using national security justification and then outlining how they would go through this process. And really, it's about making sure that you don't screw it up by improperly disclosing this to you and leaking things out and so on. Okay, now, understand that all they're doing with this new executive order is removing everything but Section 3 and 6. So you can't, can you, there's no way to see this as anything other than removing things they argued were there to safeguard you. Or at the very least, that's what they argued, even if it ever translated to that. So here's section one. This will be removed. Principles governing the collection of signals intelligence. There you go. Right? We all know what that means. Principles governing how they go about this. Undertaken in accordance with the Constitution and acceptable statutes. Okay. Removed. Who cares about the Constitution? B. Privacy and civil liberties shall be integral considerations in the planning of U.S. signals. Okay. Excuse me. Privacy and civil liberties shall be integral considerations in the planning of U.S. signals intelligence activities. Removed. Right. So 
we're going to wax intellectual about how we care so much about concerning ourselves about your civil rights and liberties and everything else. But then we're going to remove that section, though. And just, just trust us, though. We care. <laughs> yeah, that's gone over well in history, right? The collection of foreign private commercial information or trade secrets is authorized only to protect the national security of the United States or its partners and allies. Now, you could argue it's a good thing it's gone. But do you think they're going to stop doing that? <laughs> I mean, it, they, have they ever in, in history, even when they lie what's happening, they do this stuff illegally anyway. Section two, which will be removed. Limitations on the use of signals intelligence collected in bulk. That's very easily explained, which we've, <clears throat> that's the NSA conversation, right? Where they just scoop up everything they possibly can, which ends up being a lot of stuff they shouldn't touch, which they've been caught for numerous times and they still do today. Shocking. Almost like they pretend to care about what you think. They're going to remove that now. So who cares? Now they're going to scoop up everything, which is, by the way, already happening. This may be just the writing down into executive order, not law, in my opinion, but executive order that now they can do this stuff but under the guise that they're not doing it anymore. That's always how this goes. Okay. Section three, the only important one that's going to be staying, refining the process for collecting signal intelligence. Shocking. It has nothing to do with you. U.S. intelligence collection activities present the potential for national security damage if improperly disclosed. Oh, I see. So it's a section about how they have to be careful about not letting people see what they're doing. Okay, perfectly makes sense. And they just love to frame that as being in your best interest, as everything they do is, right? Okay, section four, removed. Safeguarding personal information collected through signals intelligence. Okay, so they don't care about overcollecting. They don't care about bulk collecting. They don't care about safeguarding your personal information in that collection. So wh what about this has to do with you? And you're safeguarding. It doesn't at all, in my opinion. U.S. signals intelligence activities must, therefore, include appropriate safeguards for the personal information of all individu individuals. Okay, we're not confused here. Three, three and six are the only things that are remaining. They're revoking Section 4. So why are they pretending they care about your personal information being pulled up? by? And, and here's the main point. By other governments, EU included. Now that this is a cross-country framework, right? That's what this is. Here is Section 5, reports. Within 180 days of the date of this directive, the DNI shall provide a status report that updates me on progress of the implementations of Section 4. Okay, so the idea of whether they care about your personal security, your personal information, Section 4, gone. And with it, whether and the, the regular reportings on whether they do it, gone. Accountability, gone. Number 6, that's my point. So 3 is there, you saw. 6, general provisions. General provisions always. Nothing in this directive shall be construed to prevent me from ex exercising my constitutional authority. Yeah, God forbid, as you regularly remove our constitutional rights all the time or don't abide by them. My point is this is just a, a boilerplate. This directive shall be implemented consistent with applicable laws. Yeah, right. Except that's not what you're doing. It's just boilerplate. So three is what matters. And that's the only thing they're keeping. Everything else is gone. Yet they're framing this as we're doing this for you. Very insulting. Now here is what the Software Alliance had to say about this on October 7th. Global Data Alliance applauds executive order on enhancing safeguards for United States signals intelligence activities. Right, so that's, they're enhancing safeguards for their intelligence collecting, not you. The Global Data Alliance applauds today's public release of an executive order, which I don't get why we're pretending this has any influence on the world, especially the EU or anything outside the executive branch which undergirds a new U.S.-EU data framework, privacy framework. The executive order will lay the foundation for strengthening transatlantic data privacy. 
and security and greater legal certainty in relation to responsible cross-border data transfers and transatlantic commerce. Now, part of this is businesses and corporations exchanging data and their business, like credit card companies and so on, right? But what they're talking about is a foundation for the transatlantic data privacy, not your data privacy, but privacy about what they're doing in the flow of that information. You see how weirdly this is being contorted? Now, here's what's interesting about the Global Data Alliance. The Global Data Alliance, which is, this is what they're, they're screaming about here, that this is, it's part, they're involved with this framework is the main point. The Software Data Alliance, or the, the Software Alliance and the Global Data Alliance. Now, it says, is it's a cross-industry coalition of companies that are committed to high standards of data responsibility and that rely on the ability to transfer data around the world to innovate and create jobs. Alliance members are headquartered across the globe and are active in the advanced manufacturing, aerospace and automotive, consumer goods, electronics, financial services, health, media, and entertainment, natural resources, supply chain, and telecommunication sectors, among others. Well, let's see who's involved with this group. Here are their members. This is the Global Data Alliance. You won't be surprised, of course. We're talking groups like Citibank, ExxonMobil, FedEx, AT&T, MasterCard, which is tied up with all the stuff around COVID. Hey, Pfizer. We know they're honest if Pfizer's involved. Roche, Panasonic, United, UPS, Verizon, Visa, Wells Fargo. You know, the group that's been caught lying more times than any bank. I shouldn't say that. As usual, most banks lie. Well, there's not just the Global Data Alliance members, but there's also the BSA Global members. See who those are. Same group. Membership. Gets even more specific. Guess what? Oracle, Microsoft. I mean, it shouldn't be surprising. They, they have a lot of cross-country data transfer, but I just think this has much more to do with specifically things like Oracle and the actual need for them to have complete unilateral cross-the-board worldwide access to everything flowing about you, your digital information, your your genetics, your genomics, your uh, bi- uh, biometrics, all of this stuff. That's how they control the idea of the digital passports and the digital IDs and the social credit across countries. That's what this is really about, in my opinion. But who cares, right? Because we're all conspiracy theorists. Here is the Law Firm Chronicle statement from the U.S. Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo, on the enhancing safeguards for United States Signals Intelligence Activities Executive Order. Her comment says, Today, President Biden issued an executive order on enhancing safeguards for United States Signals Intelligence Activities, which implements... She literally says that the EU implements the EU-US data privacy framework announced by President Biden and President von der Leyen in March 2022. So Biden, with the executive order, is enacting international uh, frameworks? Shouldn't that be something we vote on? I mean, that'd be like executive ordering into a trade, trade deal. I mean, that's crazy. But who cares, right? Because we've been in the world of emergency governance and and executive order rule for a long time now. I bet you they would argue this is just because of climate change or because of COVID or whatever their desperate argument is to make it. We have to rush through because this argument, the EU-US DPF includes robust commitments, strengthening the safeguards, not for you or your privacy, but for US signals intelligence activities, the sweeping up of those of those of the data which will ensure the privacy of EU personal data. Yeah, of you? I, har- I, I hardly believe that. A- and create a new mechanism for EU individuals to seek redress if they believe they're unlawfully targeted by such activities. So th- right there makes it clear. The activities are targeted at you. 
And the point is, if you feel like it's unjustified, well, here, here's somebody you can call. Yeah, how well has that worked out? Just ask somebody going through a vaccine side effect right now, how their processes for redress actually work out. It's all a bunch of talking points and flowery words, but then when it really comes to push to shove, we see what happens. So the argument that they're creating some safeguard mechanism where you can ask for redress, it's the same with the artificial intelligence. It's toothless, which, which by the way, is exactly what other people argue. The data privacy activists. This is from yesterday. Biden signs the order to implement. That's even how they frame it as well. Not not safeguarding your data like they're trying to frame this for you, but that he orders the implements, the framework for the EU-US overlap. That's pretty crazy to me. US President Biden on Friday signed the executive order to implement the transfer framework announced in March that adopts new American intelligence gathering privacy safeguards. Like, how do you actually make that argument? Now, I guess you could argue that it's privacy, it's their privacy safeguards, right? I mean, that's the only way I make that make, that makes sense, that they're safeguarding the release of the information they're scooping up. That's what we just read. They removed all the things that safeguard your personal privacy. So they're hoping you just misunderstand what that says. The deal seeks to end the limbo in which thousands of companies found themselves after Europe's top court threw out two previous PACs due to concerns about U.S. surveillance. U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo told reporters the executive order, quote, is the culmination of our joint effort to restore trust and stability to transatlantic data flows and will ensure the privacy of you personal data. That second part is not true. But what's important to understand, this essentially boils down to the EU revoking this agreement and the, e the U.S. removing safeguards to your personal information so the EU will agree to put it back in place. This is this we're being sold out. Not surprising every other way as well. Here's what it says. The framework addresses the concerns of the Court of Justice of the European Union. Right. So be clear what she just said. This is a U.S. representative, U.S. Commerce Secretary. Gina Raimondo says this EU, this executive order Biden just signed is the culmination of our joint efforts with the EU to reinstitute this framework. OK, so when they then say. This addresses concerns of the Court of Justice of Europe, of the European Union. How do you not, that, that's the European Union influenced the safeguards the U.S. government has about your data. That's, welcome to the world government. It says, which in July 2020, the, EU, the Court of Justice of the European Union struck down the prior EU-U.S. privacy shield framework as a valid data transfer mechanism under EU law. European Commissioner for Justice, uh, Reidners, said that, he was quite sure there would be a fresh legal challenge, but he didn't. He was confident that the pact met the demands of the court. The White House said transatlantic data flows are critical, not to your safety, not to your privacy, but to enabling the $7.1 trillion EU-US economic relationship. Oh, of course. So why are we pretending it has anything to do with your privacy? Are we going to pretend that your privacy is more important than $7.1 trillion flow? Or that we would hold that up so we could make sure your privacy is intact? They don't care about you. They've made that clear. The framework will, quote, restore an important legal basis for transatlantic data flows after they've removed almost all of the entire safeguards for your actual privacy, the constitutional controls. Right. So they remove all those things. and The EU goes, OK, now we're OK with it. So effectively, the EU is dictating your privacy policy as an American. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce and Microsoft, shocking, welcomed the executive order. But digital rights activist groups access now in European consumer organizations 
said it did not appear that people's rights were being sufficiently protected. Oh, I'm so shocked. That's what, every time this happens, they speak up, they don't care, they move forward. It's, it's, a, it's a sham. The White House and Biden's order bolstered, uh, the, the White House said Biden's order, you can't talk. The White House said Biden's executive order bolstered current, quote, privacy and civil liberty safeguards. Can you believe that? I'm sure KJP probably said that, doesn't even know what you're talking about. That's not true. We literally just showed you how they removed all of those safeguards. We bolstered them by taking them out for U.S. intelligence gathering and created an independent, binding, multi-layer redress mechanism for individuals who believe their personal data was illegally collected. <laughs> well, so clearly it's still going to happen. They're making an entire court for it. But let's pretend like that's going to actually translate to real, tra- real justice. You're going to go through a U.S. intelligence court. That sounds great. Reiner said it would take about six months to complete a complex approval process, noting the previous system only had redress to an ombudsman inside the U.S. administration. You know what? Quite frankly, I would much rather speak with one person inside the administration that has the pull to make something happen than some quasi-intelligence shadowy group that you have to just go. This sounds like the vaccine court to me. It will never actually translate to people being helped. And it hasn't. Which this is the basically the EU court rejected that and wants the thing they have now. Which, by the way, why is EU influencing your safeguards for data collection? Biden's order adopts new safeguards on the activities of U.S. intelligence gathering. No, it removes them, requiring they do only what is necessary and proportionate. Again, flowery words. We just read what it said and creates a two-step system of redress. First, to an intelligence agency watchdog, then to a court with independent judges whose decisions would bind the agencies. Right, because the CIA is going to be like, got it. We got direction from the court. We're going to listen. Let's run over to a foreign country and do what no one's paying attention to. Clearly, they care what you think, right? They break laws every damn day. They get caught every damn day. Nothing happens. So we're going to pretend like this court's going to be binding because Biden says so? It's just silly. Under the order, the Civil Liberties Protection Officer in the U.S. Office of the Directional Director of National Intelligence, you know, the totally transparent democratic institution will investigate complaints and make decisions. Right. So we investigate ourselves and guess what? We found ourselves not guilty. Get ready for that. European privacy activists have threatened to challenge the framework if they did not think it adequately, adequately protects privacy. Shocking. They said it doesn't. And guess what? It won't matter. It still happens. At first sight, it seems the core issues were not solved. And we're back to the court sooner than later. Right. So what they did, what they did is what they always do. People had issues for, you know, the activists, the private, the ones that really care about your privacy or probably. And they said, this has to go. This is wrong. They go to the drawing board and they come back and they didn't do anything but change words and move things around. And in fact, it looks like they made it even worse. But the name says freedom. The name says privacy. So let's go. That's what always happens. Patriot Act, War Powers Act, anything they do, it's never what it looks like. They're liars. In a general sense, sure, take they however you want. I'm talking about people in power, guys. This is obvious. And the activists go, hey, guys, it looks like all the same problems are there. Yeah, exactly. Like they always are. How frustrating. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully we can stand up and push back. My point again, to re- come back to the first point, is that I think like this should have been included in this. If we're talking about data surveillance and sweeping up your information, shouldn't that be included in the AI Bill of Rights in regard to how that works? Or maybe the digital, all the things they're talking about rolling out? What this can taken in conjunction with this looks like is the fact that they are going to have endless access to everything that AI is scooping up and monitoring and analyzing. And they just claim that we'll do things the right way. And if you don't 
think so, you can go through this process over here that will lead you in an endless circle forever, right? Very sad. Now, one thing I want to talk about that I think is really interesting that gets into the idea of your personal data and how this may be overlapped and maybe just why these things are being written the way they are right now is the simple question, which I've asked before, about whether or not the just even removing the vaccine conversation, just simply the idea that changes to your body, whether we're talking about eating certain things or like genetically modified foods or taking certain medications or something that could change. Now, not, not, not that all of them have the possibility to do that, but just the hypothetical that could change your DNA. What does that then mean? And if it changes it in a way that is patented, whatever you that means to you, is that that does that then mean that you are owned? Is that even possible? Well, that's what I want to get into. I want to go through this, the, the law and the science around it, and, and, and you guys can think for yourselves about it. But I want to start with this because you've no, I've already asked this question. I brought this up a long time ago. Right in the very first moment we saw the peer-reviewed science that clearly shows you that it can't... Well, where was it? <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. It, it shows you that it can be reverse transcribed into your DNA and definitely can change your DNA, as Dr. Peter McCullough and plenty of other people have pointed out, that we started saying, well, what does that mean? Can Does that mean that, you know, if it's being changed in a very specific way, is that intentional? Have they already patented this change? And if that is all true, then what does that actually mean? Now, the reason I'm putting that out there is because that's a valid question. Not to say that we know for sure it could happen or is happening or blah, 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 but it's just a question that we should be able to ask. And throughout this process, I've already seen this happen where people come out with very kind of what I would argue unverifiable hyperbolic discussions. Doesn't mean they're false, but that I'm concerned are being used as a way to make a real question look crazy. I'm not trying to call anybody out or anything like that. I don't even, I'm not very familiar with this person's work or the person she has on. My point is just the argument of what they're saying, which I'll play for you in a second, is pretty out there, which as we know on this show, doesn't mean it's not true. As I said, I don't know about this. I can't, I, I, I did, I've looked pretty hard. I can't verify any of it. Even reading like people's conversations, I don't think anybody can. I see a bunch of other articles from places like your Newswire, which nobody should trust, that says, this is what's happening. And so it makes me even more skeptical. But it said, and I said, thus far, I can't verify it. It doesn't mean it's not true. But I'm concerned this might be another over-the-top cover story meant to hide the very real concern that following the jab, and it's DNA changes, which are true, that you might, you yourself might be patented property. So this is what I want to get into. Now let me play this really quickly and show you kind of how over the top this is. Don't dismiss it. I want you guys to look into this. And if you find something that can prove what they're saying, I would love to talk about this. And I, and I might. We'll see how this goes. But here's what they say. It's dependent on ownership of these people who are no longer homo sapiens. In fact, they renamed them homo borgenesis. Um, so what, what human yeah. rights does a homoborgenesis have? Homoborgenesis is the species that they have named vaccinated people. And I use the term vaccinated loosely. But genetically modified people are now referred to as homoborgenesis, not homo sapiens. You can see it in the very first, I think it's the second page actually, in the NASA Langley research paper on fifth generation warfare. They say um, humans, whatever, and Borgs. Okay. So that doesn't sound very definitive, humans, whatever, and Borgs, but he's talking about a NASA document that I can't find. It could be there, right? But he talks about, oh, I'm going to miss the point. Named vaccinated people, and I use the term vaccinated loosely, but genetically modified people 
are now referred to as Homo borgenesis, not Homo sapiens. You can see it in the very first, I think it's the second page, actually, in the NASA Langley research paper on fifth generation. Oh, and that's what, right. So, and, and you know my conversations about the idea of 5G. I mean, there's a very hard to ignore peer-reviewed study that undeniably finds that the overlap of symptoms are impossible to ignore from 5G radiation to what we're seeing from COVID-19. And simply that one might be hurting the other and so and so on. They, that's not definitive. And yet they attack it from a thousand different angles. I think there's something there. I haven't been able to make any solid connection just yet. But I do think that, I mean, even if you don't have a connection, it's one of the most dangerous things out there right now that they're rolling out, even though they know they haven't tested it. And there is very clear problems. But the overlap there is a hard one for the idea that that's in the same research Anyway, the bottom line is, that I, I, as he's saying, home or bore genesis, bore genesis. Well, I can see articles acting like this is already proven that say both bore genesis, bore genesis. So clearly they don't know what he's even saying. And they just write a headline and share it out there. And you see it all. I mean, here, let me just, I'll even just do it for you real quick. Right there. Home or bore genesis. And, you know, your news, why your news.com jabbed are now human, a new human species. Right, and they just simply show that clip. So you, you just know, you, you think it's proven because the guy said it on some show that you can't even, I mean, you see my point? That happens across the board. This one says, well, here's something interesting, by the way. This go, this is not even related. This has to do with something completely different, and it's homobodonesis. That sounds very similar to what he's saying. But you can find, it, not as many as it was before. Maybe they're pushing it down. But in any case, you can see articles talking about that. Now, I'm not saying this is false. I don't know, but I have not been able to find anything even remotely connected to this. And look, it's rooted in something that is valid to think about. That all aside, now I'm not saying that that's what's happening or that there's a document about that, or I don't know. Please look into it. But it's logical to consider that they would, I don't know why they would come up with a new name now that would just prove everything that that they're doing, right? It'd be kind of a silly thing to do, but who knows? They've been dumb in the past. But why the, the, the to make a new name for something that is, in fact, genetically different, it wouldn't be that hard to wrap your mind around. But they don't want people to think about that just yet. OK, so let's get into what the what I would argue is a the, the provable parts of this conversation. So I just want the people to consider that there is whether this is that or not. One hundred percent. It is happening in this conversation in all conversations where there is limited hangout conversations where people put out whether it's two party paradigm stuff or hyperbolic unprovable things that overlap the real conversation i think there's an intentional level of that happening in the world whether it's this or not here's a great article from the expose that's actually back from february 25th 2025 or excuse me 2025 2022 february 25th chile approves a law to protect employment rights of mutants and genetically modified humans now what's funny is even when i read that i'm like really like, I remember this, and I was like, that sounds crazy. And it's true. It's real. Right? So, at the same point, just because something sounds outlandish doesn't mean that it's false. So, we always should do our due diligence. I'm just very, very skeptical for some reason about that first part, but I'm hoping somebody finds something I can prove. I would love to see this NASA Langley document talk about it. But what it says is, in addition to law protecting neurologists, Chile is now in it as an employment law to protect against discrimination of mutants and genetically modified individuals. Now, it's, it's hard. I don't know which way you should frame it to protect against discrimination. Basically, it says it's prohibited labor discrimination against mutations 
or alterations of genetic material or genetic testing. Now, it's not really mutants, the way to frame it, mutations in your body. I guess the same thing, really. But the article says, and here's the PDF itself, and you can see it right there. No employer may condition the hiring of workers, their permanence or renewal of their contract, or the promotion or, or mo mobility in their employment to the absence of mutations or alterations in their genome. Now, that's really interesting. See that, and remember the point they make in this article, which I'll go into next, is that Chile is like the one, of, if not the one of the highest vaccinated places on the planet, and totally coincidentally, with the highest problems on the planet in regard to COVID nineteen problems, they don't want to call COVID, or they're calling COVID, or they're calling unexplainable, or whatever else. They're just unexplained death is skyrocketing in Chile, and it's totally baffling. Right? You all know what's going on. It's stupidly obvious, or I mean, we believe we know what's going on, but I do know it's. I know that it's connected in some way, but. If you're going to say that we won't discriminate against people that don't have that, that seems pretty interesting. It happened back in the beginning of 2022. Seeing as how you either know that it will change the DNA and therefore you're going to put a law that says that people that haven't, seeing as how that wasn't supposed to be part of the plan, can't then discriminate against those that have the changes. I mean, I don't know how you could frame this however you want personally, but that's what it says. That you cannot discriminate based on people that to the absence of mutations or alterations in their genome, which at the very least shows you that's where we are in the world today. If you don't, even if you don't think it's connected to the COVID vaccine, they're simply knowingly we're at a point now where this is so prevalent or could be that they're going to put laws out that says you can't discriminate. They were, we're sprinting into the biosecurity, the bioengineered world. It says Chile is one of the most highly vaccinated countries in the world. And at the beginning of February 2022, a campaign to administer a fourth dose all the way back then began for most of the population. Despite the country having one of the highest vaccination rates in the world at the time, and it still does, I believe, it was passing through its highest rate of infection. What a coincidence of the entire pandemic. Record infection rates at the time. And at the time the fourth dose campaign began, all of this was happening. Right when it was happening, there's no way to misunderstand that. Either, at the very least, the thing's not working. We know it's actually far more dark than that. But under the neuro, neuro rights bill, it says on 2020, in 2021, Chile's Senate unanimously, so before they passed this, unanimously approved a bill to amend the Constitution to protect brain rights or neuro rights. In the January 2022 edition of the UNESCO Courier, a science journalist based in Santiago, Chile, wrote, quote, it is now expected that the bill will be signed into law by the country's president. Once the process is completed, Chile will become the world's first country to have legislation to protect mental privacy. At least that's what he said at the time. Free will and non-discrimination in citizens' access to neurotechnology. Interesting kind of overlap. It's like one's like privacy, the other's access to implantables. <laughs> the aim is to give personal brain data the same status as an organ so that it cannot be bought or sold, trafficked or manipulated. So clearly they see the writing on the wall. They say that brain, brain chips and brain data, I mean, you got Klaus Schwab arguing about how you'll be able to read people's emotions by your brain chips in a couple of years. That was, that was years ago. The point is that they see that you're going to have a point where your brain data is susceptible to being taken by people. So that's an interesting stance at a time when they're being called conspiracy theorists for even discussing these things. Quote, at the same time, he goes on, a constitutional reform to amend Article 19 of the Magna Carta, the country's constitution, is being considered to, quote, protect the integrity and mental indemnity of the brain from the advances and capacities developed by neurotechnologies. Now, at the time, 
people thought this was more about, say, protecting you from what was happening in the world, like the COVID injections and the, you know, the whole technocratic future. But now that Chile has shown themselves to be the most vaccinated, I mean, it seems to be the other way around, doesn't it? And the new bill seems to protect those who have the genetic alterations. It says, why is Chile passing anti-discrimination laws for mutants and for those with mutations and genetically altered individuals or genetically modified organisms? GMOs, that's what you would be, right? That's, that's not a joke. If you're an, you're an organism, if you have genetically modified DNA, you're a GMO. He said it is because there is or will soon be, in, in the writer's opinion, a significant number of people who are no longer human, but transgenic or transhuman beings. Now, just to be clear, that's not a conspiracy theory. First of all, the transhumanist movement is huge, and it's wildly overlapped with eugenics and, and the Great Reset you, you, uh, technocratic direction. Very clearly. I mean, they're all the brain machine interface. They're all talking about this. And if you actually speak to the experts, like people like, like someone like Harari, for instance, he'll tell you that they're behind the scenes racing for, for immortality. Everyone, that's the big hot topic right now in these fields. They are racing to be the first. They're all trying to do that. They want to extend their lives. And that, by definition, would make you no longer human if you're not able to die, right? But the point is that transgenic or transhuman beings is where we're on the cusp of that right now. That's aside from everything else. That's a provable fact. And it says, how has it be, ha, come to be that the, there are genetically mutated or transhumans? How has it come to be that there are genetically mutated or transhumans among us? He says, there have been numerous warnings that the experimental mRNA injections modify the human genome. That they are gene that they are gene therapy and not an inge- a vaccine. COVID injections are mutagenic, mutagenetic, meaning they are permanently altering human DNA. In May 2020, 160 doctors gathered in London to express their disapproval of COVID injections because they change our DNA. And at the time, 20% of the test subjects were already seriously injured by the injection. More than six months ago, Dr. Cinda Brandiolo, Brandi. Brandolino, an Argentine forensic physician, warned that accepting the experimental mRNA injection would change the recipient's genome and that the person subjected to this experimental drug would lose his or her human rights. Now, you could disagree with them, but that's an interesting thing to say from an expert's perspective at a time when now it seems like that's what's beginning to happen. Last year, Argentine legislation cited the rights of human persons, in quotes, which raised some questions. Dr. Brandolino pointed out that this was the legal prelude to a distinction between human persons and transhuman persons. Genetically modified people, says Dr. Brandolino, will belong to the owners of the technology and will have the same rights as and will not have the same rights as human people. Now, take it or leave it. She could be wrong. She could be guessing. But you have to acknowledge that it's possible. We all see this coming. Complementary DNA or cDNA is a form of DNA artificially synthesized from an RNA template. It is used in genetic engineering to produce gene clones. In 2013, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled cDNA could be patented. The lab technician, quote, unquestioningly creates something new when cDNA is made. So they could patent that. In 2013, ruling is important. The, the ruling in 2013 is important in the context of COVID, the writer writes, be it, because it means the synthetic genes encoded in the injections and consequently the spike protein manufactured within people's bodies are owned 
by the patent holder. That's true, no matter how you spend this, and can be pursued for private gain. Now, they argue it leaves your body. Maybe the reason they don't want you to know that it continues to be made is for one of those reasons. But more than any of that, as he says, additionally, if the genetic code for the spike protein does, in fact, as we now see with peer-reviewed science, integrate into human DNA in legal terms. Now, again, this is undeniable. Whether they capitalize on this or not, if it integrates into human DNA in legal terms, it is possible that people altered by that in that way would be legally considered GMOs who are patented and could be placed under license agreements in terms of which could be negotiated without their knowledge. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but from a legal perspective with the technological reality, that is 100% possible. Now, I want us to think about some of these points. Why would that happen? Right? Why would they, why would this be going forward? In, in regard to the injection, let's say, like, let's hypothetically consider the injection and whether this is the plan. Well, I guess it could be an experiment, essentially to work out the bugs before the elitists do it themselves, essentially, right? This hyper, you know, riffing. Because obviously you can see that this is something happening and, and this is ultimately the idea of the genetic modification argument. Or it could be that this was done to remove the concern. Now, this interesting overlap. We just saw the guy from the military talk about this, how he thought that the reason they gave him the COVID injection when they told him it was the flu shot and then basically said, we gave you the injection instead, was that they wanted to remove his apprehension, like that he was going to leave the military because of this problem, but therefore we just removed the problem. Now you'll stay in the military. Kind of interesting logic. So the idea being that maybe by creating a world full of people that are genetically modified organisms that you no longer concern yourself with altering your genes going forward. That kind of makes sense. It's just a random thought, right? Kind of like, well, this, this, was, this was a big mistake, right? Our injections were all a big mistake, altering most of the world's genome. Oops. But now that it's happened completely by accident, I guess you just have no reservations now about us playing God, right? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't, it's, it, they've made dumber arguments. Or maybe just to remove the stigma. That's the other thought. That they could drive us into this kind of bioeconomy, biosecurity state with no resistance. A lot of possibilities. But, oh, actually, before I go to the next part, actually, I wanted to point this out. that It's interesting, the expose also writes, this is October, just today. The Times says, anti-vaxxers are a menace who must be defeated. Interesting framing, right? Now, it's not just because of misinformation, they claim. I argue that the anti-vaxxers, as they frame them, are the, the control group. And we, this is not a, a new take. Everyone feels this way. And th but this is why they're so desperate to get this removed, because it's obvious the overlap there. And you can see that you've been played if we are still in existence. Among, he says, other false claims that they push out, triple vaccinated account for 94% of COVID deaths right now. That's, we, and this has uh, long since been shown, I think, for people paying attention. But we got to stop those anti-vaxxers because they're exposing our agenda, right? Well, let's get into the point they made there and whether this is happening or how it could happen. This is Medicine Plus. Gene, can genes be patented? Well, as they pointed out in the expose, the Supreme Court's ruling did allow DNA manipulated in a lab is eligible to be patented because DNA sequences altered by humans are not found in nature. Now, they're talking about cDNA, complementary, but read that first sentence again. DNA manipulated in a lab, or let's say internally, is eligible to be patented. Why? Because, well, the sequences have been altered by humans. 
and are not found in nature. Okay, well, whether or not we're talking about one specific version of it, that's the definition they gave. So what we're arguing here is that your personal DNA, which I'll show you next, whether you got the injection and how that's been changed, whether that then means by the definition of this Supreme Court ruling, pathology versus myriad genetics, Inc., that you can, could be patented should that come to pass. It seems crazy, but it's right. It's, it's, it's possible. Now it says the court specifically mentioned, see, that's just, that's just part of it. But the definition was the broad point specifically mentioned the ability to patent a type of DNA known as complementary DNA, C DNA as the expose reference. This synthetic DNA is produced from the molecule that serves as the instructions for making proteins called messenger RNA. Pretty interesting overlap. Either way though, the myth, the simple point is that if it's been altered by humans and not found in nature, well, it's eligible to be patented. So welcome to the world of patents. Here's just another genome web saying, yes, Supreme Court strikes down gene patents, but allows patenting of synthetic DNA. Synthetic, let's see, just the specific definition. We all know we know the word, but made by chemical synthesis. You see, it doesn't mean fake, especially to imitate natural products. Well, chemical synthesis, you could argue, is what's happening in your body. Well, here is... Right before this all started, 2019, controversial U.S. bill would lift Supreme Court ban on patenting human genes, right? So they're they're already going forward with patenting genes that have been changed. Well, here's where they're going, well, we, or where they're trying to remove the blockages on all of it. Now, why would they even want to do that? This is the U.S. government. A congressional proposal that would overturn what we just read, barring the patenting of human genes and ease other restrictions on patenting software and biomedical inventions. Interesting, right before this all starts, is drawing fierce criticism from some scientific societies and patent advocates. It's almost like they knew something was coming, like everyone that bought stock and sold stock and made lots of money right before, right? It's all, it's all foreknowledge. The new bill makes it clear in no uncertain terms that all Supreme Court decisions are just gone, says a patent lawyer in Duke University. It says decisions about patent eligibility should not rely on judicially created expectations, including abstract ideas, laws of nature, or natural phenomena. Like you can't, it's, it's impossible to miss where this is going. Of course, this didn't end up happening, but we know where this is going. We need to understand, guys, this is very real. This is just two. There's many of these out there. This is from February 2022. Intracellular reverse transcription of Pfizer Biotech COVID-19 mRNA vaccine BNT162B2 in vitro in human silver, silver, liver cell line. Pretty damn obvious. Here's another one. Reverse transcribed SARS-CoV-2 RNA can integrate into genome of cultured human cells and can be expressed in human-derived tissues. The point is, we're talking about the spike protein in general, what the RNA that they're using in any case, we're talking about the idea that this can transcribe into your body. Now, I want us to understand how this is being used and why this is so important to them. And I've played this clip many times at the end of shows, but I think it's important to play right now. So we really understand how serious this is, how alarming this is, and what the game is all about. Today, the job of building this nation geographically is completed. There are no new frontiers within our borders. So, to what new horizons can we look now? Where are tomorrow's opportunities? What's ahead for you, for your children? The frontiers of the future are not on any map. 
there in the test tubes and laboratories of the great industries. The Jacobardi case was one of the great judicial moments in world history, and the public was totally unaware it was actually happening as the process was being engaged. General Electric and Professor Jacobardi went to the patent office with a little microbe that eats up oil spills. They said they had modified this microbe in the laboratory, and therefore it was an invention. The patent office, the U.S. government, took a look at this, quote, invention, and they said, no way. The patent statutes don't cover living things. This is not an invention. Turned down. Then General Electric and Dr. Jacobardi appealed to the U.S. Customs Court of Appeal. And to everyone's surprise, by a three to two decision, they overrode the patent office. We bring good things to life. And they said, this microbe looks more like a detergent or a reagent than a horse or a honeybee. I laughed because they didn't understand basic biology. It looked like a chemical to them. Had it had an antenna or eyes or wings or legs, it would never have crossed their table and been patented. Then the patent office appealed. And what the public should realize now is the patent office was very clear that you can't patent life. My organization provided the main amicus curiae brief. If you allow the patent on this microbe, we argued, it means that without any congressional guidance or public discussion, corporations will own the blueprints of life. When they made the decision, we lost by five to four, and Chief Justice Warren Burger said, sure, some of these are big issues, but we think this is a small decision. Seven years later, the U.S. Patent Office issued a one-sentence decree. You can patent anything in the world that's alive except a full-birth human being. And this is what they're trying to change, understand. What you're seeing in this video are all patented organisms. It goes on forever. Now, the point is, this is what they're trying to change now, right? The full human being part of that. And understand that that already doesn't include, or already does include your blood, essentially, your DNA, if it's not, if it's changed, if it's not, even then, it sounds like it would even include that, I guess, but there's been other rulings since then, right? But the bottom line is, they're trying to get it to where those things can be patented, to where your body can be. Now, maybe, just maybe, they're trying to go about it in a way that lets it happen backhandedly, like through a back doorway about this and having it happen without you knowing it and therefore you just kind of fall into it. Look at how crazy this is. Are we going to pretend like these companies don't want you to be patented or everything on uh, in life to be patented? That's what they're striving for. We've all been hearing about the announcement that we have mapped the human genome, but what the public doesn't know is now there's a great race by genomic companies and biotech companies and life science companies to find the treasure in the map. The treasure are the individual genes that make up the blueprint of the human race. Every time they capture a gene and isolate it, these biotech companies claim it is intellectual property. The breast cancer right. gene, the cystic fibrosis gene, it goes on and on and on. If this goes unchallenged in the world community, which it is, within less than 10 years, 
a handful of global companies will own directly or through license the actual genes that make up the evolution of our species. And they're now beginning to patent the genomes of every other creature on this planet. This documentary is like... In the age of biology, the politics is going to sort out between those who believe life first has intrinsic value and therefore we should choose technologies and commercial venues that honor the intrinsic value. And then we're going to have people who believe, look, life is simple utility. It's commercial fair. And they will line up with the idea to let the marketplace be the ultimate arbiter of all of the age of biology. Sad. So the documentary went out in 2012, right? So let that sink in. What he's saying was in 2012, and nothing, it only got worse. So that's where we are. And I argue we're there, and they just don't, they just have stopped talking about what they're actually doing. We're long past it. Now, on top of all of that, that's why I played that in the beginning. So if this is possible, which it very clearly is, if the peer-reviewed science is finding that this is possible, no matter how slim, I think it's more than we think. That means it's there. So what does it then mean to revisit an old idea, which potentially could very well have been the released by their Omicron moment or anything else, the self-spreading vaccine? The idea that, as you can see here, mRNA, this is India today, MRA technology pioneer said on Twitter, the COVID vaccine, people who take it can shed the spike protein. Twitter deleted his account, but then reinstated it when they realized he was the expert. We already talked about this numerous times. Here's his tweet right here. Now, what he says in this is interesting because he goes, he believes for sure it can spread. Like, it's a no-brainer. But he felt it was minuscule amounts, so it's probably not dangerous. But the problem is, since then, it's been revealed that it wasn't just a spike protein and gone away. Remember, it's now producing them, concirculating them, and, and continuing to produce them. This has been proven by peer-reviewed science. So taking that fact in conjunction with the expert that's admitting, of course this can shed. What we need to understand now is that these injections, and God knows what the new things and what they've added to them are making worse or whatever, can shed, right? That's a fact. So then if we're talking about that and it can shed, then you add that to the Salk Institute's reality or science they've proven and many others have proven the same, that the spike protein in and of itself is the problem at least in the case of this conversation. They proved the spike protein alone, which is what they're producing in these injections, was enough to cause disease, right? That means it causes symptoms. That means it's an illness. You get the spike protein, it causes disease, it causes symptoms, it can be spread, it can be caught by somebody else. This is undeniable, right? This is a fact. So the point being, if we know the spike protein can shed and that you can catch it and then spread it, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about a self-spreading vaccine? Are we talking about something entirely? Is this how it looks to have an aerosol virus? I don't even know. But what I do know is that this is not defined. No one's talking about this in the context of the government and the media. So why aren't we trying to find out what's happening here? Now, it's not the crust of the conversation, though. The conversation is to understand if this is spreading from people to people, even those that haven't gotten the injection, does that then mean you're too susceptible to having your DNA changed? Maybe, maybe in ways that are subtle, but you're not seeing the, the dramatic side effects from the spike proteins and mRNA and, and lipid nanoparticles and everything else circulating through their, their experimental blood veins, but simply still that it is altering your DNA. I don't know, but it's a concerning question, isn't it? There's a, we are living in a massive experiment right now, whether they meant to be that the case or not. Now, here is the point. Some people that want to pretend like this isn't part of the conversation. This is going all the way back to 2000. Oh, oh this is the wrong one. In any case, this has been conversed for a decade or more. But here's, this is March, 2022, the controversial quest to make a contagious vaccine. It's not a secret. 
Here's, here's the science.com.org. Self-spreading vaccines. Base policy on evidence. Guys, this was 24th of March, 2022. It's very real. Here again is this video that I played in the beginning. Now, this guy, this is Euroscience Open Forum. This is overlapped with all the people we've been talking about, and it is a very real thing. And it's concerning as hell that this is real because they're talking about this like they want this to be the future. And don't miss the pregnant woman, the child, and the conversation of how informed consent doesn't matter anymore. That's what we all want, right? Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture and are currently making their way through the regulatory approval process. However, do we really want to intentionally disperse these modified viruses outside the lab? Is this a forward march of science or a mistake? Join our live event at the 2020 Euroscience Open Forum to explore these questions using recent real-world examples. This is I thought the video had something else on it. There's another one I've played as well that talks about how they are the insect allies program and how they've done this before. Like it's already in the world. That's the scary part. They've already done this. Insect allies was, was exactly, was a different program using insects in the same way. This is crazy. This is scary stuff. And don't forget. They just talked about, as we'll show you now, the, the vaccine version of this. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah, that's weird. Oh, I forgot. I included this. That the that what I was going to get to is the idea that we're talking about mosquitoes as flying vaccinators in regard to malaria. But it's been a conversation they've been having since the early 2000s, 2015. Fox wrote an article about it. 2010, Japanese were doing it's all over the place. So now we've got flying vaccinators potentially giving vaccines. We've got cell spreading vaccines. We've got genomes changes. We've got patents, all this different stuff that nobody's talking about that is all very possible. So it definitely should be a conversation. But I thought it was kind of a, a light note, but kind of crazy at the same time talking about the self-spreading possibility it's like whether that's the open conversation or not it's like we all know that it's like we don't people are concerned about being around people that are one versus the other but here's what somebody wrote and i i, I agree she says i'm scared there's going to be nuclear war which we were talking about earlier and that i'll be stuck in a fallout shelter with unvaccinated people <laughs> i mean it's kind of funny but as i wrote oh modern day western problems this sort of sounds like a new sitcom set up for the biosecurity state all jokes aside me too jebra i mean it's it's i mean think about it it's like if we <laughs> We are the control group, biosecurity state. It's, I mean, it's, it's humorous in its own way, but it's also very scary, right? It's, people are literally scared about the nuclear war. At the same time, they're going, oh my God, I might have to shelter with people that have spreading spike, pro- shedding spike proteins. And none of this is, you know, it's, it's just kind of a crazy reality. Now, this is not a joke in case people miss this. We've talked about this before. This is September, 2022. Scientifically speaking, mosquitoes is flying vaccinators. Research researchers turn mosquitoes into flying vaccinators. This one's from 2010. Not a new conversation, guys. All that being said, are we really going to pretend like people with a dishonest agenda wouldn't abuse or haven't already abused all of this? Well, just to finish off with the problems this is causing, I mean, I don't even feel like I need to keep doing this, to be quite honest. At the very least, I know all of you in this in this community are very well aware of how damaging all this is, but we're going to keep up on this stuff regardless. 
because it's just that important for everyone to keep seeing how uh, the new talking points, the new science to show people that have yet to see it. I mean, it's just, this is embarrassing at this point that people are still pretending like these are not hurting people. Here's uh, Joseph Ladapo, the MD, PhD, the Surgeon General of Florida. Today, we released an analysis on COVID-19 mRNA vaccines the public needs to be aware of. The analysis showed an increased risk of cardiac-related death among men 18 to 39. Florida will not be silent on the truth. This is pretty shocking. It's basically, they're continuing to evaluate these injections. It says the Florida Department of Health conducted an analysis. You can look at it right here through a self-controlled case series. You know, take it for what you will, like whether you think it's a, you know, it's, it's just a one small addition to a gigantic body of peer-reviewed work that undeniably finds the same, which is a technique originally developed to evaluate vaccine safety, the studied mortality risk following mRNA injection vaccination. This analysis, this is crazy, found there is an 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death among males 18 to 39 year old within 28 days of vaccination. I mean, that is, I've never even heard of something like that. 84%. 84% risk. That's just crazy. Now, I'm not saying, I shouldn't say that. I've known things that would, you know, triple your risk of something. But just in this context of like claiming things are safe and then finding an 84% increase in car, in heart attack risk and heart death. Guys, this is what they know about, you understand. Maybe not the 84% number. But we've already proven that they've known myocarditis risk, known blood clot stroke, and covered this up. I mean, I've never seen a more valid point to be talking about tribunals. This is wild because of how obvious this is. That's why Dr. Mercola is talking about scientific communities using the word evil. I don't know how else you start to see this as anything other than, at the very least, malicious. Well, here's Dr. Asim Multultra, the guy who was on their side like 30 seconds ago, the guy who got the shot on TV, the guy who was promoting this, who was on corporate media saying that we're all taken by misinformation. And finally, he saw through it. And now he's taken all the flack and he's pushing past it. A staggering 84% increase in relative incidence of cardiac death. So he's looked at the study and he thinks it's valid. It's kind of hard to call him a conspiracy theorist when he was going to go on your side. They must be suspended for everyone immediately. Look at what a crazy change that is. Well, here is the Summit News reporting on the fact. Another example of things like the baffling issues here and the confusing issues there. Sadly, even for somebody like this is Paul Joseph Watson, who, who I guess the different writer, but the point being this is his outlet. For, some, for a group that can clearly can at least see the problems with these injections, it doesn't even mention them. It's very strange to me that they go with the argument that the CDC makes in this, in this article. You'll see what I mean. But you, you guys come to, your, come to your own conclusions. CDC report, and the report's linked in here. Record number of kids being hospitalized due to weak immune systems. Right. So they're all being forced to take an injection that literally reduces their immune system, that creates lymphocytopenia, and all these other examples of dysregulation of immune system, reduction of your immune system, breaking your immune system. Right. But that has nothing to do with it. Even as this article takes the line that it's the mask and the lockdowns causing this. I couldn't believe it. I thought they were getting to some kind of a joke ending. And nope, they're towing the line. October 7th. The Daily Mail reports, and it's uh, Daily Mail is embarrassing. You can read it for yourself. It's bad. Reports that the CDC found that a historically high number of inpatients under 18 were struggling with common viruses during August 2021. After lockdowns, masks, and social distancing hit a peak. Right. So then when they're supposed to be the most protected, they're getting the most sick. That doesn't make much sense. Now, 
Oh, I'll, I'll wait to make a couple points. The, like, the idea that somehow being locked down for six months is going to dramatically change your immunity is about the dumbest thing they've ever said. The figures show the highest levels of children with respiratory illnesses ever recorded in summer. Ever. Right? In summer, by the way, which is wildly unprecedented in its own right, but this is just over the top. The levels were more consistent with December of previous years. Now, it says the data was compiled from hospitals in seven different states, including Washington, Texas, New York, Ohio, not a limited thing. Commenting on the findings, Dr. Scott Roberts, a medical director at Yale University, simply stated that lockdowns impacted the ability of children to build up immunity to common illnesses. Well, yeah, sure, that's the, the running theory. Just because Dr. Scott's over here, Dr. Roberts says that, wh- where's the proof? How do you possibly even quantify that? That's an assumption. That's a theory at best based on your intel, your, your general understanding of how these things work. And it's not defined. Now, could these things have that effect? Sure. You could argue, oh, somebody locked away all this time would lead to that effect. But are we pretending these children were locked in a corner room with no engagement with anybody this whole time? Maybe some of them. That's crazy. But the vast majority of these kids were still playing. We're still seeing their friends. We're still going to school. No matter how much they try to stop them, they're kids. They don't care about this stuff. They don't even understand really what's going on. They're still around their families at the very least. The bottom line is, even if you think that this lockdown for what, six months, that the bulk of it was enough to change their immunity? How are you going to pretend that it just, everything changed to the point to where they were getting everything and were sick for everything? That doesn't even scientifically make sense. Especially when you read what they're saying. There are two implications of this, doctor said, explaining first, the gap gives time for viruses to mutate. So wait a minute now. So now you're arguing two different logic points here. Okay, so on the side of the other stuff, you're going to argue that the fact that nobody's engaging with it is why it mutated. But over here in COVID land, you're arguing that it's because it is engaging with people that it's why it's mutating. Well, first of all, the second part of that is the common logic. That's why it's that's why they stopped arguing pandemic of the unvaccinated, because the ones spreading it the most provably are the vaccinated. And that means they're the ones spreading the transmission. So they just kind of put that to bed. But you can't make have it both ways here, guys. So you're telling me that these things floating around, not engaging with people is what causes mutations. That doesn't make sense. And it's not even the truth. So that's the first bunk argument. And second, whatever immunity was built up to those viruses, it will have waned. So again, we're pretending that immunity, even natural, wanes over months. I mean, guys, that's not true. Making the immune response much less potent. Well, first of all, much less potent is not gone. These kids are struggling from the common cold. That's not normal either. This is the destruction of immune systems, guys. It is painfully obvious. The doctor also noted that children, including his own son, are now getting, quote, constant infections. Okay, what about you? Why? I mean, kids are less or more susceptible, but wouldn't the same logic apply to everybody? This is why they try to pretend the flu was going to come back last year. Oh, it didn't. It's going to come back. Oh, no, it didn't. Now again, this year, the flu's going to come back this time. Well, they've made that argument twice. Didn't happen. This time they swear it's going to happen because of the same argument. Well, they made that argument last year. It didn't happen. So either they know what they're talking about or they're guessing. You can choose. I think it's pretty obvious. The doctor also noted that children, including his own, are getting constant infections. Infections? I mean, I, this doctor has to know that he's guessing. and want, I mean, saying what they think people want to hear as opposed to what's obvious. His own education must be showing him that's wrong. The CDC data is consistent with research by scientists who warned. 
that it's not normal to see children with com combinations of seven common viruses, including adenovirus, rhinoviruses, respiratory synactical viruses, human metanumaviruses, influenza, parainfluenza, as well as COVID-19. Yeah, that's totally normal, right? You just don't see your friends for six months and you just get every virus possible. No, these are things that have always been there, that are always there. And the moment that your immune system completely collapses, that then you're susceptible to. That's what's happening. As we previously highlighted, there is, has also been a global outbreak of hepatitis cases in children. That's not, I mean, guys, how do you possibly pretend that is because of a lockdown? With the media asserting the cause is unknown. What's funny to me is you see they're insinuating that they're wrong about it, but yet at the same time, what, that the, that the, the secret story is that it was lockdowns all along? Well, that's, that's what they're saying. This article, it feels like they're going out of their way not to mention the vaccine, which is kind of concerning to me. Biden administration officials have continuously pushed for children to keep wearing masks in schools. And there are still hordes of hypochondriacs forcing the children to do so, which is crazy. Despite COVID posing virtually no risk to the health of children in normal circumstances. Now, the mask very clearly does add to this. 100%. Now, of course, the lockdown situation in its own small way does, I believe, but the mask absolutely increases your risk of infection. Peer-reviewed science has found that, cloth specifically. So that I agree with. But that would not justify or explain seven different simultaneous viruses that are generally always there, but they're not susceptible to. Again, the point I made before, these viruses, common viruses, are there all the time. So they were there when they were on lockdown, you see? That's my point. They're, not, they're there all the time. It says a study in Britain found that many children entering elementary school have severely undeveloped verbal skills. This is the mask point with many unable to even say their own name. Meanwhile, you got people screaming you down for saying masks are hurting their abilities to grow and learn. According to speech therapists, you know, the ones that would know mask wearing has caused a 364% increase in patient referrals of babies and toddlers. They're breaking us guys and other stuff or those that are falling for it. Another study revealed how mean IQ scores of children born during the pandemic have tumbled as much as 22 points, while verbal, motor, and cognitive performance have all suffered as a result of lockdown. Now, I, I lockdown masks, I would argue. A study published in the Royal Society, oh, well, no, I take it back. Remember, the lockdown did, and I think they mentioned in this, had very severe effects on mental stability. And I, I could see how that would all translate. A study published in the Royal Society Open Science Journal found that lockdowns in the UK caused around 60,000 children to suffer clinical depression. But that's all okay in the minds of the, the sycophant followers for the COVID narrative, right? Figures show that 400,000 British children were referred to mental health specialists last year for things like eating disorders, self-harm. Education experts have asserted that forcing school children to, school children to wear face masks has caused long-lasting psychological trauma. Oh, and it finishes, there's no argument about vaccine. I don't even know how they can do that. I've seen... Paul Watson argue this stuff. I don't even know. I'm baffled by this, to be honest. But obviously, the real point is that there, that we need to consider things like what they found in the vaccine very clearly can lead to lymphocytopenia, the, the, the dysregulation of the immune system. And on that point, remember that Pfizer's own data verifiably showed as much as they tried to explain it away when this first one came out, their next one found the same thing to a lesser degree, but it's still there. That you have negative efficacy when you take these injections after three months. Now, don't forget, they also proved to you in their study that in the first week, you have a 50% increased risk of getting sick in general. They didn't even deny that. They just said, well, it's, you know, injection, inflammation, and then it, but then it goes back down and it works. Okay, fine. That's why you dismiss the first 21 days because that's where all the problems happen. And you make that happen to some degree. 
Here we have, after 90 days, 76 negative effort, percent negative efficacy. 76. But realize it's only 55% relative risk reduction after one day. One day. Within 30 days, it's 16. Guys, this isn't working when the, the moment you take it. But the point is, if your immune system is negative, that's not the vaccine not working. That's your immune system collapsing. Either way you spin it, that is because of the injection, which then leads to you getting sick, catching extra things. Here's the study itself. Read it. It's right there. And there's plenty more out there, peer-reviewed and otherwise. So here's one of them. Science Direct. Innate immune suppression by the mRNA injections. It's all there. It's all out there. Suppression of type 1 interferon responses results in impaired innate immunity. Shocking. Baffling. The mRNA vaccines potentially cause not just a collapse of immune system, but increased risk to other problems, diseases, cancers. That's what's happening here, in my opinion. The sad part, though, is that they're desperate to hide this everywhere they can. But this is interesting when you see things this close to home for people in power. U.S. Representative Sean Caston's family says his teenage daughter, Gwen, died suddenly of cardiac arrhythmia. It's sad. A lot of these died suddenly. 17-year-old daughter died suddenly. No pre-existing problem. Family said that she was fully vaccinated against COVID-19. There you go. Doesn't mean you know for sure it happened. But we do know that it can do that. So you have to ask if it could. Otherwise, you're being dishonest. And while all of this is happening, guess what Facebook is doing now? Restricting accounts for even using corporate media mentions of excess death. Look at that. If you even go, well, could this excess death be caused by something other than what they're saying? Fake news! Even though they don't know what's causing it. Think about how dumb that is. So we don't know. We're baffled about the excess death. And I put, what about the vaccine? Fake news censored. Okay, what if I said, what about aliens? Oh, that's okay. Okay, so we're allowed to guess in any other direction but the vaccine, even though the vaccine's capable of causing death. You admitted that. See how stupid that is? So we know the vaccine can cause death. I don't care if it's one in a trillion. It can. So when you have an issue of excess death, you should be able to go, could the vaccine be adding to that? They won't allow it. Facebook has ruled that the mere mention of excess deaths, even from sources like the BBC, without mentions of medical therapies, is a violation of community standards. This is crazy obvious. I I just don't even see how this can't come crashing down unless they want it to come crashing down for the direction they're putting you in. We need to think about that too. But either way, they're build they are stacking this house of cards on top of nothing right now. I don't even know how it's still standing. And Alex Berninson points out something very important. Quick caveat, don't trust his cannabis reporting. Just hanging out to say that every time now just because it's that ridiculous. But he's doing great reporting on COVID-19. Good morning, he says. Just another day when mRNA COVID vaccines raise the risk of myocarditis and death for young men. The point being, all of these colleges he lists are right now forcing students to take these injections. Still, right now. Fordham, New York City, requires COVID injections. They're talking about the new bivalence in most of these. Here is Harvard. Here is UC Davis. Here, I mean, he goes to just all Tufts University. They are forcing people to take these injections to go to school. There's, there's not even government mandates, and these schools are deciding. How is that even allowed? It's not, really. That's the truth. And, but here we are. We are in a broken point in time. For the, if you want the explanation for my comment at the beginning, he literally just argued that people that took cannabis were like murdering babies because they got high. I mean, that's like brave for madness level crazy. So just got to, I have to point that out. But this is important because he's right about COVID-19. Here we are continuing to finish. The Defender, FDA, CDC, urge all adults 
to get fifth COVID shot, despite no safety or efficacy data. Still happening. Still happening. That's called quadrupling down because you have no other option. Well, just to finish with the point with Fauci screaming about ivermectin not working over and over and over and then going on his talk show and saying tripling, quadrupling down yet again. No, no, it is not safe. It doesn't work. Well, when he did that show, this was already out. August 31st, peer-reviewed, regular use of ivermectin as prophylaxic for COVID-19 led up to 92% reduction in COVID-19 mortality rate in a dose-response manner. Results of a prospective observational study of a strictly controlled population. Yeah, observational, peer-reviewed though. But August 31st, so a peer-reviewed study that finds very clearly a 92% reduction in COVID-19 mortality. And Fauci says, no, fake news, not safe. Nothing about that makes sense. And as I've pointed out here, this one was. Any comment since it was out and it's peer-reviewed? But I also list the ones I talked about last time. Science Direct. Six of seven meta-analysis of, of, uh, meta-analyses of ivermectin treatment, random controlled trial reporting in 2021, found a notable reduction in COVID fatalities with a mean 31% reduction. Peer review, or in, in, peer, in Peru, excess deaths fell by a mean of 74% over 30 days. That's a peer-reviewed science direct study. Nobel Prize honor distinction, COVID, uh, ivermectin for COVID-19. Here's a Japanese study that found that it could definitely have strong antiviral effects against COVID-19. But yet Fauci, and by the way, the point this person makes down here is that despite CDC itself now admitting that it has uses, he still goes on this show and says, nope. Some of the, the, the sort of the um, confusion that came out over the last few years. I think I've asked you about this, but I want to check in more time. Did ivermectin do anything? No. Okay. Humans do take it, but not for this purpose. Right. It does not help with COVID and it could be dangerous. Okay. So if, you, if, if America's doctor, Mr. Science himself, doesn't know about the newest peer-reviewed science, but yet we do on Twitter, how do you explain that, right? He is either wildly uninformed and should not be able to give discussion points or give direction, or he's lying to you. Your choice. I really don't even see another option. But so my point is, while they're pushing these injections, get the fifth injection. They're still shouting down viable treatments because they clearly want you to be hurt. Now, last two points. Here is a clip of a, of a, a documentary that I am really excited for, that I really hope you will take the time to check out. The real Anthony Fauci, the documentary, will apparently be free to the public on October 18th. I can't wait for this. This book is a product of my own struggle to understand how the idealistic institutions our country built to safeguard both public health and democracy suddenly turned against our citizens and our values with such violence. I am a lifelong Democrat whose family has had 80 years of deep engagement with America's public health bureaucracy and long friendships with key federal regulators, including Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, and Robert Gallo. Members of my family wrote many of the statutes under which these men govern. They nurtured the growth of equitable and effective public health policies and defended that regulatory bulwark against ferocious attacks funded by industry. I built my own alliances with these individuals and their agencies during my years of environmental and public health advocacy. 
Quiet on the set. Hammer speed. But I also watched how the industry, supposedly being regulated, used its indentured servants on Capitol Hill and its financial clout to systematically hollow out those agencies beginning in the 1980s, disabling their regulatory function and transforming them into sock puppets with the very industry Congress charged them with regulating. I explore the carefully planned militarization and monetization of medicine that has left American health ailing and our democracy shattered. I chronicle the troubling role of the dangerously concentrated mainstream media. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. Big tech Robert parents, the military and intelligence communities, and their deep historical alliance with Big Pharma and the public health agencies. The disturbing story that unfolds here has never been told, and many in power have worked hard to prevent the public from learning it. The principal character is Anthony Fauci. I'm sure he's not happy about that. I like that. I mean, this, this, this person needs to be called out. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we'll we'll be here to watch it. I just had an interesting idea about this documentary as well as some others. Maybe we can set up like a documentary screening. In any case, it's important. You're not alone, guys. And I think that's become more clear than ever. The reality is that people see it out there. And I think that what we're breaking through for the first time, maybe ever, is the illusion of that majority. It's a very positive thing buried a bunch of, amidst a lot of very terrible realities. As always, guys, you point out that you know, the darkest before the dawn kind of a thing, right? I mean, did we really expect that they were just going to go, you got us. All right, we give up. You know, it, it's going to get worse before it gets better because this is a cornered animal scenario where they're not going to just relinquish power. I mean, what would that even look like? Even if it did, does that mean it's going to be better? You know, I mean, the, at the end of the day, we just want change because what they're doing to us right now is is bad. It's evil. It's wrong. But at the same time, what is the solution, right? And that's what I always argue is that, I, that there, we need more people. We need to cross these party lines. We can't allow the two-party paradigm because everybody then allows it to fall right back into the same controlled system. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I've always said that. I'm simply trying to be here to continue to keep the continuity going of pointing out the problems. And I, I'm doing my stuff, on, off, as you guys know, my own solutions, my own actions off to the side. I talk about here and there. But the point is this part of it needs to continue. We need to keep the information flow because that's the first thing they try to stop. That's why it's so important. But we need to make sure people see this and keep this moving because you have made a difference. You've st I believe we have slowed this down, stopped it to some degree, but it will not stop. They will keep going. So stay the course. I love you all, as always. I'll leave you with this. <laughs> oh, after this, a lot of terrible, sad, wrong things. Something that might make you laugh to end the show here today. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. You know, uh, going, going to uh, be, uh, you know, my mind's going blank now. What's happening? What, what, I can't remember. I'm going to lose track. My mind's going blank now. What are you talking about? What the hell's going on here? Where the hell are you? My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. What am I doing here? My mind's going blank now. Where am I headed? I keep forgetting I'm present. Where am I? No idea. Last night, the, the, the television, the, the television, I was on a telephone. Rapidly rising, uh, 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 in with, uh, 